0: Why, Johnny Tyler! Madcap. mad
1: cat. Doc? Where are you
0: going with that shotgun?
1: I didn't know you was back in town. Well, well. How the hell are you?
2: Why, I am rolling.
1: Morgan. Doc. Virgil. Who, Doc. Why
3: going into business for ourselves, Doc? Well, I just got a sparrow game. Oh. No. Since when is Sparrow a business? do not you always say that gambling's an honest
4: trade? No, I said poker's an honest trade. Only suckers bucks the tiger. The odds are all on the house.
3: Depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head now, is it?
5: <laughs> That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. <laughs>
4: Oh, Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. Just leave that shotgun.
3: Leave it. Thank you,
2: Sheriff Behan. Gentlemen, Sheriff,
4: have you met Doc Holiday? Don't you
6: I was just distracted by a thing. I was distracted by this email about Justin Timberlake. Did you see that Justin Timberlake Super Bowl commercial? First of all, never gets tired seeing a guy get hit in the junk with something, does it? That's always amusing. Uh. Anyway, it says, uh, hey, was Britney Spears able to watch yesterday's game? You suppose she saw Justin Timberlake's Pepsi commercial. Is that why she's locked up for another two weeks? You know, she had about a two-week window where she might have been able to get back together with Justin. Of course, that was two years ago. Not now. That's true. I wonder if they just decided to keep her away from the television all day. They just kept her in a small white room.
7: I heard that she was in like a padded room.
6: I want to watch the TV. No. Mama's got to watch her stories. No. Back in bed. Wonderful. All right, it's uh, five oh three. I got lots to say about uh, about TMZ, and not just not just in the sense of. Um, let me just skip right to it. So I spent a disproportionate amount of time, disproportionate amount of time, a disproportionate amount of time on Saturday programming my phone so it would receive updates from TMZ.
7: I did that to my email account.
6: And then all I did was sit there and stare at my phone for the next ninety minutes, hoping that some. And then they never. I still. I've received no email update.
7: I've received one, and I signed up on like Friday.
6: I don't think I got anything. What was the email update you received? Um. The, and it was it's not like the website hasn't been updated. It's not like things haven't happened.
7: TMZ the alerts. Uh, notes. It says no changes so far in the Britney case.
6: See, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. but see,
7: I well, don't think I've even got that. changes not need to
1: update you.
6: You know, but there were changes. Her stay was extended by 14 days. There's that uh, custody fight going on today where there's three different sets of lawyers. This is not really about Britney so much as it is about my desire to receive exciting updates via my phone. That's really the only reason for technology. So I can be updated about the personal failings of others, people in whose lives I have no real vested interest. Well, anyway. So we'll talk all about that here, just a few. Uh, hey, it's uh, 503-733-2970. It is 4 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. And this the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It is uh, Monday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. It's 503 733 uh 2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever. Uh, observations about how cute the commercial for the new Pixar film is, perhaps. It's 503 uh, you can email if you like. It's Rick at rickemerson.com, Sarah at nine seventy dot AM, Tim at nine seventy dot AM, or Richie with a T at nine seventy. That's A.M. All right. Hello and howdy. Uh, here's what else is coming up today, by the way. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio uh, correspondent Steve Kastenbaum about Super Bowl. Excellent. Uh, Super Bowl observations from Steve Kastenbaum. Bob Noodles Costantini joins us today as we gear up for Super Tuesday. 24 states worth of fun. Happening uh, tomorrow. Oh, did you see that Hillary Clinton tried to cry again today? She did that? <laughs> I, I heard she was successful in Connecticut. <laughs> really? Yeah.
8: She really worked up those tears.
6: Do you suppose it was... Every some...
7: time they tried to cry, I think of Mrs. Blue.
6: Totally. Do you suppose it was some sort of a saline squib that they, had picked, they equipped her with before the press conference? Somebody backstage ready to hit the button so it looks like... Oh, and, You know, she, she gives some sort of predetermined signal, like a wave of the left hand or something. Somebody backstage hits the juice and it suddenly looks like she's able to weep. You know, like a normal human. Anyway, uh, so, uh, anyway, a steam Bob joining us today. Uh, Bob Costantini, uh, as we get ready for Super Tuesday tomorrow, a day in which I will not be leaving the house. I mean, I'll be coming here and doing the show and then immediately going back home and sitting on the sofa uh, for the remainder of the evening. Uh, what else? Uh, we have, I do believe, and I think this is just a coincidence, for Super Bowl 42, I do believe. If I heard Tim correctly, we actually have 42 different Super Bowl commercials today.
8: We do, but we don't have time for all of them. Well, we would if you'd like one of our account executives to call on you and uh, give you the best rates imaginable for this radio program.
6: I mean, if you we we do have 42 from which to choose, so it's just going to be a question of weeding out the uh the weeding out the undeserving. We'll play at least ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really?
8: I promise ten. Wonderful.
6: You know, this is such a weird... Sarah and I were talking about this during the break, that there was this whole thing that I heard about but did not watch yesterday, the Puppy Bowl, which I guess is just puppies in various athletic garb.
7: was hilarious. No, they're not in athletic garb at all.
6: (laughs) Really? They're not even dressed up?
7: No, it's just literally puppies in this huge, like, bin that is exactly... it, It looks exactly like a football field, and they're, like, field goals on either end. And then they have stands full of paper people... And the entire time, it's just a constant stream of cheering and, like, inspirational, you know, like, fight music, like, rocky music. As the puppies wander As around. As the puppies just wander around, like, What wrestling. channel was this on? It was on Animal Planet. Of course it was. All right. But I was with a, I was with a lot of people, different age ranges, <laughs> men and women, and uh-huh. everybody loved the puppy bowl. Did you ever feel embarrassed to be an American?
6: It was hilarious. It's like when Tim says, we're going to play ten commercials later on. I mean, which is, don't get me wrong, I'm right there with you. I got up extra early this morning so I could come in and watch several of the commercials again on YouTube. But actually set aside, I mean, we only have about 80 years on this planet. I mean, we're all going to die someday. And what did I spend valuable hours doing this morning? Sitting in front of my computer being marketed to, by choice. Sitting there watching commercials over and over. Yeah.
7: That made me laugh.
6: The, uh... Well, I got some thoughts on all of it, so I, I made some notes about the various commercials that, that, that were on yesterday, so we'll do that. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Peter Carlin joining us today from the Oregonian television critic uh, extraordinaire. Uh, what else? Oh, we do have a pair of tickets to see Rush. Rush at the uh, amphitheater at Clark County. This is not win it before you can buy it. This is, in fact, beat the box office, is what that is. Uh, so we have a pair of tickets to the Rush show that we'll be giving away uh, later on today. What else? Oh, the exciting news about the spam contest. So let me make sure that this is actually working. I mean, I'm sure it is. but uh, So if you go to uh, 970.am, 970.am, which is our uh, station's exciting homepage. Uh, I'm waiting for it to load right here. I do believe, trying to make sure that I know exactly where the link is here, because we are going to begin uh, voting on the spam contest today. Ah, here we go. All right. So you go to 970 AM. About halfway down, you'll see the uh, the you know the banner says a lot of spam sculpting contest, it says vote now. Click on that, and we have na- and it was difficult to do by the way. We narrowed it down to ten semi finalists. Have you seen any of this? Have you guys looked at the spam sculptures? No,
7: I, I
8: have, have not. I've been too busy with Thanks. these Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> <laughs> it's
6: commercials from the big game, Tim. <laughs> oh, the uh, I'm sorry. the. Uh, I, I, I have to tell you, it was difficult to pick just ten because here's the deal. So we got all of—I mean, really a ton of entries uh, for the, spa, the spam sculpting contest. Um, and this is really just the most American of programs. I mean, really the rest of the world is trying to find basic food and shelter, you know, and we're sitting here cal- carving things out of snack meat. We've
8: been talking about the puppy talking about the
6: puppy bowl. bowl and getting ready to
8: play play commercials. Well, on. I'm trying to decide which ones we can play and which we can't play. But that's America. Put no, it is. Choice. I
6: mean, really, that's... We can't play all 42. We'll play a lot of them. Every, everyone should have such problems. Anyway, so you go to 970.am. Seriously, so we took all the spam sculptures. We narrowed it down to 10 semifinalists. You will now go, and by you, I mean you. We will now go to 970.am, vote for your favorite. At the end of the week, we will announce the top three vote-getters. They will bring in their spam sculptures next Monday, and we'll pick one lucky sculptor to go to Vegas to see spam a lot. I mean, and most of these are Monty Python related, too, which is pretty great. I mean, these are really impressive. Oh, my
7: gosh. <laughs> They're really well done. Oh, that is, Gene, I'm not going to, I won't say. We should.
6: I mean, we should, we should be very careful we don't sort of prejudice the vote here or bias anybody. Oh, my anybody. God. But how great are these? I mean, I know we're talking about a thing that maybe you can't see if you're not in front of your computer right now, but at your first opportunity. I don't,
7: I don't even know how to, how we would vote on that. That's
6: what I'm saying. Go to 970.am and uh, vote for your favorite spam sculpture. It's uh, it's pretty stunning, the amount of talent and free time and lifelessness uh, that some people have. Not that I'm any better. Uh, so, and a lot of them are related to either the life of Brian or just Monty wow. Python in general. More than one Trojan Rabbit, which is pretty great. Multiple Trojan Rabbit entries. Yeah, there's some of these that, like, they came in and we... We just sort of stared at them for a long time, wondering how it is that somebody managed to create these.
7: I wonder how big these are, too, because some of them look pretty large.
6: There's only a couple of them in which somebody gave it a sense of scale. There's a, there's that one with the Rubik's Cube where it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, it's a Kraken or something attacking a boat. Um, and a guy put a Rubik's Cube in there, like presumably to give you a sense of the scope of the sculpture. So, anyway, so when you get a chance, uh, go to 970.am and check out the Spam Sculptures. Vote for your favorite, and then the top three will come in next Monday, and we will pick uh, the winner who will go to see Spamalot in Vegas. It is pretty great, though. So, well done. Uh, Let's see. What else? Well, a big pile of crap to get to over here. By the way, uh, in case you'll notice, my hair has an extra sheen and luster to it today. I am using... So here's the thing. So I, I took my wife to work this morning. I woke, and of course, I'm not really awake in the morning under the best of circumstances because it's all, you know, you're like half asleep and you're hating your life and you need caffeine and you're whatever. So I wake up and I shave, and I, I had the foresight to at least lay out my clothing last night because in the morning I'm just so unbelievably useless, even more so when I have to take my wife to work. So would you ever do that thing where you're just so asleep in the morning but you have to be somewhere that you leave and you're halfway to the place and then you realize you forgot to do something really crucially important. Like you just completely forgot to shave or you just you didn't you put on the right shoes or whatever. You still got your bunny slippers on or something. So I'm halfway to my wife's work this morning and I realize that I have done nothing to my hair. And I don't mean that done nothing to my hair like in the sense that...
7: I didn't do anything to my hair. Are we supposed to do something to our hair? No, but I mean, but your hair...
6: How do I say this without sounding creepy? Your hair probably sounds better just rolled out of bed than mine does, because your hair's sort of your long. I'm just saying your hair's long enough that the weight of your hair itself holds it down. It doesn't. It, my hair is relatively short, so it spikes up and it just looks all. It looks all it bad. It's a little puffy. And not in like a cool Dane Cook kind have, of way.
7: Positive thing. At least you have hair now.
6: No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I have hair to mess up, but it doesn't. It doesn't look all spiky like you know, in in like a like a you know like a Josh Hartnett kind of way. I just look. I just look bad. And so I'm halfway to my wife's work this morning. Said, oh, I didn't do anything with my hair. I look like a tool. And she's like, well, I got some hair product in my purse. If you don't mind using mine. And I said, no, that's. I've been using your deodorant for like two weeks. What's so one more toiletry? So she gives me uh, this hair product to use today. So if I look especially lustrous, it is because I am wearing. What really has to be described as the gayest hair product in the history of the world. It is Brilliantine from Bumble and Bumble. Right here. Brilliantine. Brilliantine. No, no. But you have to read the description first. Bumble and Bumble. From Bumble and Bumble, it's Brilliantine. That's not even really the lame part. Here, I now, I now, you draw attention to the, uh, draw your attention to the description where it says that quote, gives your hair polish and a, languid, slept-in, sexy look. My hair has none of those looks today. By the way, you now. had,
7: you had all of these hair options and you chose this.
6: I didn't have all those options. <laughs> I had whatever my wife had in her purse. Uh, cause I fr- I fr- and a
7: sort of languid, slept-in, sexy look. Don't
6: I look languid and sexy?
7: Yeah. $15 for this tiny little thing?
6: Don't look at me. It's not mine. That's something that you women buy. You very
7: sparingly you're work not- through damp or dry hair.
6: When you're not spending your money on kittens and panties. Anywho, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today.
8: But we're going to listen to it commercially. <laughs> that was funny. That's what I, that's what I do. I, re- I really can't. I have nothing to beat that one. Uh, we're going to be listening to commercials from the big game. We're going to be listening to some of the entertainers, including uh, Paul Abdul, Alicia Keys, Jordan Sparks, Willie Nelson, and Sarah Evan. Uh, today is National Sick Day. A woman beats Perk's purse snatchers with a snow shovel. Uh, Brittany's grandpa, June, yes, her grandpa is named June, uh... That'll give you an idea of what kind of family we're talking about here. It says her little pregnant sister is being kept out of the limelight for now. Uh huh. Madonna will make Justin Timberlake and Timberland her little bitches in the new music video. Uh, phone lines have been stolen from a Norwegian town. A uh, prole pug, who's a therapy dog, has been stolen from her owner's car in southeast. So keep an eye out for her. that's prole pug. A uh, couple's line up to register their domestic partnerships after a federal judge tells the Hillbillies to go home on Friday. Oh,
6: front. I saw that this morning. How great is that? Yeah, right. I went upstairs and I was looking through the Oregonian. The, the, I shouldn't bring the Oregonian down here today. It's got a bunch of, there was a bunch of great stuff in today's paper. And I almost never say that. Uh, usually, I, it is not to sound like I'm waxing his surfboard, but usually I read Peter Carlin if he's there. And then I, you know, and then I do what everybody else does. I just see if anybody I know is dead. And then I put the newspaper back down and I move on. At the front page of the paper, though, Hillbillies told to suck one. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. It was deeply gratifying. It really was the best way to
8: start the day. Um, well, that happened late on Friday, actually. Yeah. And the way the news cycle was, it happened so late that nobody knew about it. Oh, yeah. Until it came out. No, it was, it was really, it caught me totally and
6: completely by surprise. Because, again, yeah, I hadn't heard anything about it. It hadn't been, um, they hadn't tipped that in any way. So, yeah, I picked up the paper today, and yeah. So, well, there you go. Jeff told to go, uh, to go eat one. Wonderful. As yes, they should have. Uh, let's see. Join the day as always by the lovely and talented Sarah K. Dillon, Resplendent in her David Bowie Labyrinth shirt. Is that it's the true. one that Peter gave you for Christmas? Didn't no. Peter give you a Labyrinth shirt for Christmas?
7: No, he gave me uh, Flight of the Concord.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay.
7: Awesome. All right. How um, was your weekend? Dude, I cannot believe you missed the Paula Abdul No. Here's the thing. It is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Now, when you say the Paula Abdul thing.
6: Oh, Muppet. Can I just confess something? That I watched little bits and pieces of the Super Bowl yesterday, and then I watched a lot of the commercials on YouTube. But you know what? I I have to say, and I know this makes me a bad American. I almost completely and totally forgot the Super Bowl was on yesterday. Me too. And largely, a lot of it is my wife's fault. Not her fault. But I mean, it's just the fact that she's been gone for two weeks, and she got back Friday night. And so, you know, she was dead tired, so she slept in and we crashed most of Saturday. But then Sunday we just kind of spent, I mean, she was still sort of in like jet lag mode and whatever, and we just laid around the house and watched TV and did nothing in particular. But even with doing a whole lot of nothing, I almost completely, it wasn't until like two in the afternoon that I went, oh, the Super Bowl! And I just completely forgot about most of it. So, please not to tell me what the Paula Abdul thinks.
7: I'm just going to put the YouTube video up on my blog. It is terrible. It's like... It was her trying to do her dance moves from, like, 20 years ago. Yeah. But she was wearing, like, this like this hip mom outfit and, like, this little hat. And she came out and she was dancing. Uh. And she had, uh, it was just so bad. And she had backup dancers that were literally covered in sequins wearing football shoulder pads dancing yeah. behind her. Yeah. And then um, Randy Jackson, the guy from American Idol. Oh, yeah is playing the guitar in the band, and she had, like, some sexy times. So she'd come up and, like, saddle next to him and be like, ooh, Randy. And you could tell that he was really into the rock because he was wearing a shirt that said rock, and it had, like, all these skulls all over it. Okay,
6: now I have, really.
7: And he grew sideburns. I'm like, who are you? Yeah.
6: Dog. It was so terrible. Wonderful. Okay, now I have to go watch that during the break then. Yeah. That's fantastic. Excellent. All right.
7: But I went to a Super Bowl party and I had a lot, a lot of fun.
6: Yeah, I mean, I just I watched a little bit of it on 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 the TV, uh, and then I watched a lot of it on the internet. And the thing is, the what little motivation I had to sit down in front of the television at a predetermined time to watch a program, has just the it's just been eradicated by YouTube. Because what's the point? I mean, it's just I will tell you this right now that I didn't catch any of the Tom Petty thing when it happened. I saw it all on the internet later. Um, so, and the Tom Petty thing was. I really do love Tom Petty. Don't get me wrong. I love Tom Petty with, with everything in me. He is, he is, in many ways, one of the quintessential American singers and songwriters. Wrong guy for the Super Bowl, though. I know that's a terrible thing to say. It, because, you know, the, the, here's the, in my experience, Tom Petty only has two modes. Tom Petty has, he has sort of, uh, he has sort of like rough around the edges rock mode. And then he has sort of gentle, wistful, sort of Americana balladeer mode. And it was like the latter was on display yesterday. I don't know if that's just a thing. It was just like he wakes up and gets out of bed feeling one way or the other. Because the only song in, in his halftime show that really... I mean, I love all the songs. But the only one that really worked, I think, yesterday was Free Fallen. Hmm. In my opinion, because he did what he did, he did American, I Back Down, American Girl, yeah. and Free Fall. And the other two are still great songs. I mean, even a even a bad Tom Petty performance is better than almost anything else. But the one that worked the best, I think, was Free Fallen. I just think that venue was just too big for him. I just.
7: That stage was super cool, though. It was
6: a cool stage with the mm-hmm. guitar piercing the heart. I mean, he was really great. I just. I think that it, that is. Just, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a big Kiss fan, but I remember a, a couple. What was it? Two, three years ago when Kiss did the, the halftime show? And they came out and it was like all of their usual crap, like fireworks and levitating and flames. And there was like a hundred cheerleaders dressed like the members of Kiss in front of the stage and whatever. And that really worked because Kiss is just so big and stupid and dumb and loud. And I think that really... I think Tom Petty has a sort of honesty to his music that does not necessarily blend well with the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Just my my, two just my to- cents.
7: Yeah, it was just kind of there. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't... I mean, it was good. It wasn't fantastic.
6: He was great. I'd rather
7: see him than, like, you know, Christina Aguilera. Well, that's my thing. I'm for whatever puts
6: money in Tom Petty's pocket and gives him exposure. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, Let's see. So here's what I did yesterday, though. So I spent a lot of yesterday uh, laying around the house. And then uh, when I wasn't laying around the house, my wife and I watched Juno, which is a fantastic film. Um, That is, I have to tell you this. Is
8: that the one that glamorizes teenage pregnancy? Yes, it
6: does, Tim. In addition to your four weeks off of school, you'll... Now get that special halo of admiration that only comes with being impregnated. Um, so it's uh, Michael Sarah, Jason Bateman, Jennifer Garner, who looks bad. Boy, talk about a big, weird, misshapen-headed woman. You know, an Alias, she always managed to look pretty hot, but then I think about it, that show was almost entirely about putting well, her in disguise every week. Well,
7: her actually being a mom, <laughs> you know?
6: Well, but I don't think... Look, having a baby doesn't misshape your head, I don't think. <laughs> or maybe it does. I don't know. My friend Lisa still has a perfectly round head. No, I mean Lisa looks fine and full-rounded bosoms, I might add. Um, no, it's true. I'm not going to pretend I didn't notice. Um, so, but the <laughs> of b- boobs are huge. No, in Alias though, did you, maybe, I don't know if you ever watched that show, but every week it was about putting Jennifer Garner in disguise. I now realize the motivation behind that. I mean, she's a great actress and all, but boy, goddamn, she's a big lantern-jawed-looking woman. Um, so, uh, Juno is a really great movie, and. I can, I can see how it would be a rather polarizing film. I've read a lot of reviews from people who thought it was cutesy or precious or didn't like it. A lot of people hated the soundtrack, especially. Um, I loved the soundtrack. No, the soundtrack is great. No, those people can F themselves. It's great. Those who, pe- who hates the soundtrack? I read a bunch of reviews from a bunch of bastards. Were the soundtrack that. is twee and cloying. And- A bunch of people can get stuffed, is what they can do. Um, I
7: love that movie. It's very beautiful and creative. It is
6: a beautiful film. And, you know, I realized about halfway through, this is not why I liked it, but I realized the tone of the film about halfway through. um, And it's nominated for Best Picture, which is pretty amazing, because it was made for like $5. It is an almost perfect marriage of, and this sounds a little weird, but if you've seen the movie, I think you might know what I'm talking about. Juno is an almost perfect marriage of the Gilmore Girls and Rushmore. The soundtrack especially has Rushmore, like, all over it. But, you know, in the Gilmore Girls, the deal is that Lorelai Gilmore was 32, who had a daughter, who's 16. So Lorelai Gilmore got pregnant at 16. If you have ever watched the, the Gilmore Girls and said to yourself, well, that Lorelai Gilmore got married at 16, I wonder what that was like. Uh, it's like Juno. That's exactly what So uh, that was my whole thought going through Juno, which is not to diminish Juno as a film. I'm just saying it has a very similar tone to it. Um, but it's just a great film. It really, really it's like wonderful. It's, just,
7: it's one of those movies that just really makes you feel good when you leave. Like it, it, it reinstates your faith in humanity. A and you
6: know, I have to say this: everybody that I have talked to who's seen Juno has either seen it multiple times or wants to see it again almost immediately. And I can totally see. I that.
7: want to. Buy, I'm, I'm going to buy it the second it comes. Yeah,
6: mailman Chris is like, I was going to watch the Super Bowl, but i was especially watching Juno for the third time. So it really is a very, very great film. So if you if you get a chance, you really ought to watch Juno. That's uh, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, and I saw Gone Baby Gone. Which is that Ben Affleck film with uh, with Casey Affleck in it? Boy, what a big ball punch that is! Great movie, but God, just another one of those where it just take, yeah. you know how I'm Juno lo- with
7: those for a while. I can't do those you know, anymore.
6: How Juno like affirms your life? Juno sort of not so. Gone Baby Gone takes all that life affirmation and puts it on the ground and just sort of Ear! just grinds it into the you know. Let me drag
9: it down some stairs.
6: Just takes all of your faith in humanity and just shreds it and then sets it on fire. I mean, it's a great film, but. God damn, you just want to hang yourself at the end of that. So anyway, so there's that. Uh, let's see. I got this thing about Sanford and Son, but we should probably get to that later. Um, oh, hey, we our show got a great compliment. I won't identify who this person is, but it's somebody we work with at CBS. Um, I was talking to her this morning. It was at Les Moonves? Yes, it was. And I was talking to Les Moonves. And uh, we were talking about something or other, and, and she said... Um, I, I, she said, hey, so I was listening to your show on Friday. It was really funny. And I said, oh, thank you. She said, I was laughing so hard. I'm quoting now. I was laughing so hard I forgot what street the funeral home was on. So there you go. In someone's hour of sadness, uh, we actually lifted their spirits sufficiently high that they couldn't even remember where the funeral was that they were going to. All right. Um, observations about the big game yesterday. Uh, there's more about the culture. First of all, I, again, I only watch little bits and pieces of it. I suppose it is wrong of me to weigh in on the Giants beating the Patriots because I know Dick about about football. Oh, do it, man! How Enjoy satisfying people. is that? How satisfying is that? Why
7: is that satisfying? I Be- don't understand.
6: Because it was one of those things where the entire country had filled with fair-weather Patriots fans because you know they had this undefeated season. They were like eight, it was eighteen and zero. Uh, I think it was like an undefeated, a perfect season. It's not about the Patriots as such. It's that it was like an entire instant. An instant cottage industry of people who would, like, really always... Like I'm, I'm, a, guy I'm, always a huge, I'm a huge Patriots fan, yeah. Oh, and, I don't uh,
7: like him.
6: Yeah, is, isn't he... Yeah, he's Tom, one
7: who's dating Gisele... Yeah, and
6: they were like, he's the greatest quarterback in the history of the...
7: Did you notice that he was? He would never wear his helmet? Like, all his other teammates were wearing their helmets, and he'd just, yeah. like, be gazing off. and so, i like, really?
6: Wanted to show off his steely yes, gaze. you're helping a
7: supermodel. We did it. Put your helmet on.
6: Look at, look at how Chuck Yeager-esque I am. Um, but but uh, it, 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 it's, it, it's not about the Patriots. It's just that like the entire country had like instantly everybody was a huge Patriots fan because they thought that they because they looked like they were going to go all the way undefeated season then the Super Bowl and of course you know that's that's you know would have been a groundbreaking thing and everybody wanted to get out in front of that wave. Everyone wanted to be well no no let me tell you you know why. Can I just say this? And again, I, I don't know a whole lot about sports, but this intersects with pop culture, which is why I sort of know it. This is like, you know, you get one of those teams like the like the was it the Red Sox that didn't win for like five hundred years. Everybody wants to be able to tell that romantic story. Like Stephen King actually wrote a great book because he was a long time Red yeah. Sox fan. And he wrote the whole that whole thing about like, you know, it's like I've been waiting my whole life for that Red Sox win. Like we've all been waiting for seventy-four years for the Red Sox to, like, Fever Pitch, I think, had that same
7: thing. It does. He, he throws a ball in Fever yeah. Pitch. And
6: everybody had that whole thing about, like, you know, well, you know, we've all been, it's like, Mets fans were that way forever. We've been waiting. The Seahawks fans were that way. We've all been waiting, you know, decades to see this. And you could tell everybody was getting their stories prepared for if the Patriots won. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, as a, as a longtime Patriots fan, uh, this is a long time coming. And you know what? These guys have really put in the time. And I feel like uh, it was just our moment. This was uh, This was the destiny of it. And I feel like uh, good things do come to those who wait.
7: Nothing like, enraged Chris more than after the Red Sox won, and seeing all of a sudden like people are putting stickers on their cards. Totally. Like, I was I was a huge fan. I've always the been a
6: Red Sox fan. That was my whole thing with the Patriots, and so it was so satisfying just to see them get it, just just shoved right back on them.
7: Really, it was wonderful. I just like an excuse to drink beer at two o'clock in the afternoon. Zing. let be honest. You know what? My wife didn't even
6: have uh, that excuse. She wasn't even watching the game. Uh-huh. My wife is watching Project Runway and guzzling Fat Tire by the six-pack. So there you go. By the way, speaking of Project Runway. They're in reruns. You know, every time. Well, she's been out of the country. Oh, this that's year. right. Every time there's a problem this week at CBS, uh, every time there's an issue that needs resolving, I'm going to go into the room and I'm going to look at everybody assembled in the conference room and I'm going to say, we need to resolve the skirt. That's going to be my phrase. Oh, make it work. Yeah, no, that's that guy came in on Project Runway. And there's a yeah, woman making a wedding dress out of denim, like a yeah. Levi's wedding dress. And he was just like, no, this doesn't work. This looks like Granny's sewing circle. And she's she's like all crying. And that guy goes, so what you need to do is resolve the skirt. So that's what's going to be my phrase this week. If there's a problem, we need to resolve the skirt. Um, Jesus, I've gotten to nothing. We have to break here in a second. Um, I'm just going to make this one observation. Then we have to... I have, I have all of this stuff to say about Lost Boys. Starring Corey Haim. Well, that's going to have to wait. Um, if, for this one observation, which is this. If you want to buy junk food, Super Bowl Sunday is the day to do that. You know why? Because no one will laugh at you in point. Like, you ever go to the store and you're buying something really bad for you, and you think everybody's looking and thinking, what a fat ass? The thing is, on Super Bowl Sunday, everybody is that fat ass. Especially the fat asses. I, was, I went to Safeway to buy something. And it wasn't even anything really bad. I went to Safeway to buy... I don't know, like... Milk or something. Anyway, I'm walking into Safeway. First of all, goddamn, we're all fat bastards. Everybody in this country. I mean, there's just whales, just huge loads on legs, just walking around. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Safeway. There's a guy, look like Haystacks Calhoun. I mean, just, just, just a mountain of like Kenny Vance big. I mean, I mean, you.
7: Nobody's that big. I've never seen Tim do that before. Tim is
6: mimicking what it might be to walk if you're a really fat person by puffing out his cheeks and making himself into an O with his arms. And here he goes again. Um, But there was like that guy and then like who I can only assume was his brother because they looked identical. Like two big round hillbillies pushing a huge shopping cart. Now, in, and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but still, in the shopping cart, like, seven big bags of Doritos, like the big-ass, like the Fatso family bag.
8: That's just the snack till we get back to the car. There's more than <laughs> That's just to,
6: That's just to keep them going through the shopping trip itself. Um, and then, I hate to sound like an old guy, but do you remember when dip used to come in, like, the little tub? Mm-hmm. You know, like the little research thing of clam dip or onion dip or whatever it is. You know, like, we you know, it's about three inches deep and about six inches across. That's what dip... At some point in the weird nebulous past, they have started putting dip in a massive, like, potato salad-sized tub. It's like a bucket. Yeah, it really... And so these guys have, like, seven bags of chips and then four huge tubs of dip. And you you know where most of that's going. Most of that's going right into those two guys pushing the cart. So there I am with my milk and, I think, a box of cookies or something, feeling pretty good about myself, actually. So if you need to stock up on junk food... You go on Super Bowl Sunday. You could buy half the chip aisle and everything in the ice cream case, and no one will bat an eye at you. Look at that's for the big game. Go back home and get all your snack food shopping done in one year. It's like um, it's like how ET could go out on Halloween and nobody would notice. It's just like that. Bam.
7: Did you eat a lot of fattening food yesterday? Um,
6: you know, not not that much really. Um, I had uh, I had the uh, we had some leftover pizza from uh, Saturday, so I... we ate the. Yeah, we ate some... Li- and here's the other thing, by the way. little trick I've known, and I almost... I, I've learned it. I almost don't want to say this. Maybe other people know this. The deal is, on Super Bowl weekend, you order your pizza on Saturday. You order your pizza on Saturday night, even if you're... If, and maybe you don't even eat it. Like maybe you have dinner on Saturday night, but then you order a pizza anyway. And then you just keep it in the fridge. You know, then you put it in the toaster oven, toast it up the next day. Because if you order a pizza on Super Bowl Sunday, it's going to be like hours. I mean, they'll, they'll be like, that's good, two and a half hours for delivery. You order it on Saturday night... And you put it in the fridge, and then you toast it up the next day, and it's 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 wonderful. That's how you do it. That's how you beat it's the pizza rush. I'm just saying. Um, well, okay. I think we have to. I think we have to break here. Yeah. Sadly, we have these calls about the big game. If you're on hold about the big game, stay tight uh, or whatever. Hang tight. Stay there. Tight something. Lefty, Lucy. Stay there. Uh, we'll be back uh, after this. Steve Castamon, Bob Costantini coming up, and uh, your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson. the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In just a moment, Steve, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive me. In a moment, this is... Wait, no, this is Steve Why <laughs> Well, I didn't want to insult Bob. if It was Bob. I think it's... In a moment, Bob. Uh, hey, John, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
3: Hey, you were talking about those twins? Yes, sir. Uh, or... Wait. So we you were talking about? Oh yeah. Were they twins or were they just brothers in the supermarket? I, you know, it's
6: hard to say uh, because they were both buried behind layers of flab and and eel trimmed beard. So here I'm in the Safeway. I'm walking. I walk in. I walk past the Starbucks. I take a right to head down to I don't know, like the the dairy aisle or whatever. And these two uh, guys are coming toward me. <clears throat> pardon me, uh, pushing a shopping cart laden with chips and big ass tubs of greasy dip. And the, I'm suspecting, I mean, they had to have been related because they were both really tall, like abnormally tall. They were both, like, 6'3". Oh. Um, and the uh, huge, uh, pardon me. How you doing huge, there? Huge, uh, like, who's that guy that Popeye fought, like, Bluto or Brutus oh, Bluto. or whatever his name was? Yeah, big Bluto beards, and, and then, you know, and then filled with lard. And so uh, yeah. I think they might have been twins, but I don't know.
3: Do you remember back to the old
5: uh, Guinness Book of World Record? There was a photograph of the world's largest twins. And twins they were on motorbikes, ridiculously small motorbikes.
6: Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> one of the great moments on The Simpsons a few years ago uh, was—I forget exactly how it happened—but Bart was walking down the street, and then they had those fat twins from the Guinness Book actually like speed by him on little motorbikes.
5: Yeah, so they got—they left the Safeway, got on their little bikes, and totally
6: yeah no it's, a, it's a, exactly all they needed were like matching checkered pants or whatever those twins <laughs> were
7: good reference sir good job thank you
6: it's funny how certain images just become ingrained in the human consciousness
7: what like the world's fattest twins do you know
6: those guys the fattest no, twins I, on the motorbikes i know
7: them well i think i've seen an image of it but it's like
6: why do we all know that it could it, i mean do is was there a time when everybody in the country read the guinness book of world records when it came there out It totally was when
7: did that stop happening I don't know, I remember reading it when I was younger, and I would just page through it for hours just looking at all the records.
6: It's just... I don't have time to think about that. My brain can't handle that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. I, it's only so many pop culture. You don't even want to read this email I got earlier about socks and how to wash them. Uh, Steve Caston, Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? What, do you remember the twins, the fat guys on the little bikes? No, I don't, actually. You do not remember the Guinness Book of World Records and the picture of the two enormously huge twins on tiny little motorbikes? I have
10: to... Uh... Plead uh, the fifth.
6: Well, that's I, fine. Then you're the one. You're the exception that proves the, every rule has an exception, sir, and you are it.
10: I, I, I
7: please
11: mm.
10: right. be it. Uh,
6: so uh, you should
7: Google it. See if you can find it really quickly.
6: Uh, okay. I'll, yeah. I just found... me... <laughs> Jesus. Are you on Google Image Search? Yeah. What did you What did you Google?
7: Fat twins on bicycles. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, all right. Hold on. Now I did a fat on motorcycles twins. On motorcycles right. you know, I right. I got punched out of the way here,
7: Ew, what's going on up front there?
6: oh, there we go, it's that's front a, butt that's exactly what I'm talking about, yeah, so I mean uh-huh, uh-huh this isn't even the photograph that I really remember, this isn't even the famous one. The really famous photograph of them was taken directly behind them. it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pointing the camera at their asses as they uh as they pedalled away or rode away or whatever nice, are you looking at the photo yes. Yeah, so that is a photo that everybody in the country has at least some familiarity with because it was one of the more sort of, I don't know, uh, shocking or interesting photographs in the Guinness Book of World Records that came out in, I think, about 78, 79.
10: It makes you think, like, you know, these guys are on motorcycles. You know, what was Walter Hudson complaining about? (laughs) Should have gotten out of bed.
6: Good. Excellent reference with that, Walter Hudson. I like that. Did you ever watch that show, The PJs, the Claymation show that Eddie Murphy voiced?
10: No, I, I didn't know. The
6: PJs, which was a much maligned show. A lot of Spike Lee and a lot of sort of activists got on it because they felt it fostered negative images of the black community, blah, blah, blah. But it was uh, a, a show from Will Vinton Studios, um, and it was sort of a claymation, foamation show uh, where Eddie Murphy played um, this guy who was, a, you know, like, like a manager of this sort of tenement building filled with a cast of sort of like wacky, kooky, you know, residents or whatever. And there was this, there was a character on this show who you never saw, named Hudson. And he would go, and the deal the, you know, clearly based on Walter Hudson, who was this 1,200-pound guy, uh, who was what in, where was he, in Brooklyn?
10: Was it, I, think, I can't remember if it was Queens or Long Island. I don't remember exactly where he was.
6: But he was but, a 1,200-pound uh, guy that couldn't leave the house.
10: Yeah, they had to cut out a whole side of his house. You know, like a wall, and then literally take him out on a forklift when they were moved into the hospital.
6: And so on the PJs, there was this great character named Hudson. And so the deal is is that uh, Eddie Murphy, if the landlord, would come by to, like, you know, collect the rent or do whatever. He would knock on the door, and the door would open, and just this massive hand would come out the door and, like, hand him the rent check and then go back inside. And it, it, you know, it was just, it was a great, I mean, it was funny on its own level, uh, but just it was a great little cultural reference if you sort of knew who who Walter Hudson was. So That is funny. Excellent. All right, well, let's talk about the big game, Steve Castbaum.
10: You mean the election? Nyack, 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 nyack. Sorry.
6: <laughs> was that like your own little noise, or were you doing a, a Stooges thing there?
10: That was my, uh, my that was a Stooges uh, reference.
6: Sort of a nyack, nyack
10: kind of yeah. a thing. all yeah, right yeah. Uh, well,
6: we could talk about either. Which, 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 which would you rather talk about, the football game yesterday or Super Tuesday?
10: You pick. Well, it's funny you should mention that because now they are intertwined here in New York, and Mayor Bloomberg announced that the ticker tape victory parade down the Canyon of Heroes, or up the Canyon of Heroes if you prefer, will be held tomorrow on Super Tuesday. And a little while ago during a Q&A session with the mayor, he was taking a lot of heat for scheduling You know, the victory parade on on one of the most important election days in our nation's history, at least here in New York, one of the most important uh, primaries, because there's there's a lot at stake here in New York and in New Jersey, two very delegate-rich states, especially for the Democrats. And uh, uh, Barack Obama stands a chance of picking up a lot of delegates in New York City and in parts of New Jersey, but now some political analysts are saying a parade, of this caliber actually hurts Barack Obama and helps Senator Clinton because those likely to attend the parade are young people and males, and uh, which means those are guys who, would more, who are more likely, if they're Democrats, to vote for Obama. than
6: than hillary yeah but you know the young people are not going to be voting anyway that's a false that's a false argument that's every four years they claim this is the year that young people finally decide to vote and then every four years it doesn't happen so that's a that's a that's a little balloon that they float every year that then just sort of sadly deflates uh, like a half empty basketball every year just um well all right Uh, but i mean hillary is still i mean she's still massively favored in new york anyway regardless i would imagine
10: Here's the thing. New York is unlike other places where she's been battling it out with with Obama in that uh, in New York City, City, Obama has been gaining ground a lot. In fact, uh, today he had a rally at the Izod Arena across the river in New Jersey where he was introduced actually by Robert De Niro, like the quintessential New Yorker. Uh, And Robert De Niro... He used to be involved with the Clinton fundraising party machine here in New York. He was one of the Democrats, you know, who, who was in that scene, and now he's with Obama. Senator Kennedy was with him there today. And, and the point is now, you know, the, you know, there's always this question about, is Bloomberg going to run? Is the mayor of New York going to run? And so he, the conventional wisdom is if Hillary Clinton wins the nomination, he will run. If Obama wins the nomination, he doesn't want to be a spoiler for Obama, and he won't run. So now there's people out there, you know, cynics who believe that he scheduled the parade to increase Hillary Clinton's chances of winning in New York, which would thereby increase his chances of running for Ugh, president. It makes my head hurt. It does. But it's really annoying. I mean, who's got time, if you're a reporter, to cover the parade on Super Tuesday?
6: Really, honestly, it is It is like the most ill-timed thing ever.
10: It's really so, infuriating. Yeah. <laughs>
6: I'll be, let's, lodge a, let's lodge a personal complaint on your behalf, Steve Kastenbaum. It, it's
10: really funny because at his you know, daily press avail, well, it's not really daily, but at his press avail today, the, the mayor took a lot of heat from a lot of pissed off reporters today.
6: Well, I, I mean, it, 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 it does seem, even if it was, even if there isn't a grand master plan behind it, it really does seem like a, a, just a completely inconvenient dividing of resources, let's say. So, I
10: agree. I mean, it, you don't schedule a major event like that on, on, on a big election day.
6: Yeah. Well, what can you do?
10: Anyway, how about those Giants?
6: <laughs> I was going to say my uh, my investment in this is only that I like to see Fairweather Patriots fans snubbed. So, so, so that was that was sort of deeply satisfying in a weird way.
10: That's why it was such a good game because, you know, the, the Giants so clearly deserved not to win up until that last. <laughs> I game. know.
6: Because, and the Super Bowl is always a blowout. That's the thing. They're always talking, well, the Super Bowl is always the worst game of the year. It's always a huge lopsided victory. And as you said, it's a, they, they really, it was like at the last moment. It was just this deus ex machina, uh, where just the hand of God came down and said, well, all right, and just, like, g- gave them this last-minute victory, which makes it even sweeter. And, I mean, it really just must make it so much worse for the Patriots, who know, like, w- with absolute clarity of vision that they really deserved to win and didn't. Oh,
10: yeah. So... Yeah, and, and it was such such an upset, such a stunning surprise that there were actually fans out in the streets of New York last night celebrating. That never happens here. It's uh, yeah. always relegated to some other city. But on Second Avenue and, on, and in Times Square, the, the bars spilled out on the east side and Second Avenue, and supposedly traffic couldn't get by, and they were out in Times Square celebrating. That's how much of a surprise this was.
6: Excellent. All right.
10: Are you on tomorrow? Oh yeah. Tomorrow okay. night we've got uh, big plans for Super Tuesday coverage with CNN Radio. Yeah.
6: I didn't know if they, if they if they were. Did you Did you really just say it like that? You let roll that off as though you've been rehearsing that line all day.
10: As a matter of fact, I just got off the rehearsal with them before I came on your show. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I did.
6: And I didn't know if they had you stashed in some special secret location tomorrow and doing like a, just a specific punch-ins, or you. So I don't know if we'll have the chance to talk to you or not. But uh, predictions? Do you want to make? A, do you want to call it for tomorrow in any way?
10: Oh no, I don't make predictions. Other than that, it's going to be very interesting because in the latest CNN poll. Obama and and Hillary nat- nationwide are at, are in a dead heat more or less statistically, Excellent. and and the the lead that she had over him nationally seems to have eroded. So it's going to be very interesting. And, and you know, we still really don't know what's going to happen on the Republican side either. It's an exciting day.
6: You know, I will just say this, and we have to go, but I, I will say that the great thing about the Republican side is just seeing the Republicans torn between their hatred of Hillary and their hatred of John McCain because he is so unpopular with so many people inside. I, can I just tell you this as a brief side note, and then I will repeat this anecdote almost word for word later when I talk to Bob Costantini. My father-in-law, who is a dyed-in-the-wool, straight-laced uh, uh, Mormon, not uh, not the um, how do I put this? Not the most inclusive thinker in terms of uh, racial relations in this country. Mm-hmm. Actually, distrust John McCain so much that he actually said he would vote for Barack Obama over John McCain. And I mean, there is it's weird to see John McCain creating all of this weird dissent inside his own party. So
10: I got an even better one. Ann Coulter said she would vote for Hillary Clinton over John McCain.
6: Yeah, but she's in that case. I I suspect that she's got some sort of weird tapeworm inside the uh, the base of her brain. That's that just
10: would, a that would explain a lot. I'm,
6: it. I'm not a. It would exp, exp, explain her strangely emaciated. Somebody noted, God, what is it? Somebody called her. Somebody called her the Paris Hilton of the Republican Party, which I really think is accurate in any number of ways. So. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, we will talk to you then uh, tomorrow. An exciting day coming up. Uh, yeah. Until then, uh, blah 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 blah. Warm mm, collegial platitude. Blah blah blah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bye. Steve Kastenbaum. There you go. That's uh, Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. All right. It sure is. Yes, it is. All right. I think any second now. There we go. There's Bob Costantini. Who's ready for Bob Costantini? Woo!
7: I am. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's not there. <laughs>
8: Wonderful. <laughs>
6: that, <laughs> that was great. You to
7: let Richie scream the call before you pick it up. <laughs>
6: that was great. <laughs> I couldn't have scripted that to be any better. Like, I was all excited, and we played the... And it wasn't just that there was... It would have been not nearly as funny if there had been dead air. It's, it was actually a dial tone, which never happens. That's just the thing that I was bitching about that in movies, because it doesn't really ever happen. If somebody's having a conversation in a movie and the other person hangs up, and immediately there's a dial tone, which, of course, doesn't happen in real life. It only happens in the films.
7: Wait, do you see what I see?
6: Okay, I'm going to let it be screened this time. <laughs> Richie's probably smoking. It was really great. Well, let's just assume this is... Ladies and gentlemen. Hey. From the Hill. CNN Radio Correspondence. Bob, I hope it's him. Costin Teeny.
3: Holding for Bob Costantini. <laughs> trying to transfer you to the to the hotline. Hi Dave. Hey. Hi.
11: Should Six, I 5 five.
3: I'm trying to transfer to the hotline. You're He's on, on hold. You're on the hotline. I know, and I'm trying to transfer Bob into you, and it's saying number busy. That's because all right. The that's because you're on it. No. Uh, okay. Bye. No, before. Hang okay. on. Answer this one. Hang up.
6: <laughs> what? I don't know. Okay, you wanna try it again? <laughs> ladies and I don't even the heart ladies and gentlemen, Bob Cash
2: TV Hello Rick, how are you? Hi at
5: long last. Hello, Bob, how are you? I had long last Super Tuesdays about to arrive. Yes.
6: Sorry about the uh, mix up today. Some sort of technical <laughs> snafu, I'm afraid. All right. Uh, so we were just talking to, a st- to Steve Kastenbaum about, uh, about New York City and how Super Tuesday is now so hotly contested. And now there's this whole th- th- conspiracy theory about why Bloomberg is scheduling the, the Giants uh, victory parade to be on the same day as Super Tuesday. It's all very exciting. Um, okay. So let me get this out of the way. So I, I-, I have heard from. And I say I've heard from, I have read uh, in various uh, news outlets over the last or whatever, that at least on the uh, Democratic side, tomorrow may give an indication, but it almost certainly doesn't definitively settle anything. Is that right? Uh,
5: very doubtful that it would settle anything uh, tomorrow. Uh, Democrats are very uh, proportional in the way they award delegates. And so even though there's some 1,700 delegates uh, minimum at stake, uh, They will likely be divided enough that uh, neither Hillary Clinton nor Barack Obama would emerge uh, probably as a clear frontrunner from these contests. Um, Hard to say. I mean, obviously, uh, predicting is is kind of foolish uh, when a race is this close. But um, uh, it it just seems all national polling uh, poll that CNN came out with today indicates they are in a statistical tie uh, nationally. And, of course, we've got 22 states uh, voting Democratic tomorrow, uh, plus the territory of Guam. Here's the – plus Guam. <laughs> I, I didn't
6: think Guam could – oh, that's a – that's uh a...
5: They get to vote in the uh, – for the uh, party choice for president. They do – they do have delegates sent to the. Uh, well, who is it
6: that's taxed, but who is it that has to serve in the military but can't vote? Is it Puerto Rico? I think
5: you're thinking of Puerto Rico.
6: Okay, I can never remember. I can never yeah. remember who, what country it is that uh, that we that we, <laughs> that we screw out of everything, and yet we don't allow to vote. Um, it, the only good th- – well, not the only good thing. One of the good things about this being such a, a close race is that, of course, Oregon's primary gets shoved off until like 15 years from now. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. everybody else – we basically are just a laggard. We're like a wounded gazelle on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom just bringing up the rear in May.
5: But, I've been meaning to ask you when the Oregon primary hey. is not even in our CNN briefing book.
6: That's wonderful. <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me. I've noticed this. Every time they get John King up to the uh, that interactive um, primary map on CNN yeah. – it, it, without fail, they will do the same thing. Anderson Cooper will say, "Now you're watching part of the best political team on television. Here's John King with a look at the primary map. They'll go to John King, who shows this big map of America, and you know how he was going, like, well, okay, here's uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina, and the, the states are lighting up on the map. Here's Florida, lights up, and then of course the big one, Super Tuesday, and of course then there's like Oregon, which never light, which they don't even ever bother to address. It's like we're so far in the future that it doesn't even, we don't even really count as a state with CNN." Well,
5: Well, it's uh, likely that you may very well count in the end, Yeah, Um, um, and we've got uh, a week from tomorrow. There are several states uh, right around here that will be voting, Um, and Ohio in early March could be a key state, because they've been hit economically pretty hard.
6: Yeah, I do believe that Oregon's is May 22nd, so hooray. (laughs) That's what I (laughs) see. Even the CNN guy is laughing at when our Uh, primary is. time uh, Time almost to pack up for the convention by then. Yes, yes it is. It's nice to know that they've... They've given us a vote when it means nothing. So it's not Super Tuesday. I'm just going to begin calling it Lackluster Thursday or Lackluster Tuesday. Um, So um, in any event, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, McCain has come out. McCain has started to do this thing where, you know, because perception pays as reality. McCain has started to do this thing of saying, um, uh, well, I assume I'm going to be the nominee, which is I was talking to Steve Kastam a while back, and I was saying that it's it's odd. It's strange how as much as, uh, you know, you would think the GOP would be, getting their act together to align against Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, whoever it is, uh, that they just are so distrustful of McCain. My, my uh, in-laws, my wife's parents, who are just as hardcore right-wing as they come, uh, don't want to support John McCain, even yeah. though he is the presumptive nominee in many people's opinion. It's very strange.
5: Yes, uh, John McCain is scoring very well in national polls and... Um, uh, some Republicans who, uh, you know, again, the staunch conservatives, the Christian right, uh, aren't exactly thrilled with him. And uh, now what we've seen in the South in the past few days are Huckabee and Romney sniping at each other oh, that's wonderful. about who's going to be the anti McCain.
6: Well, you know, the great thing is that, by all accounts, Huckabee. Uh, just hates Romney so much that he's staying in simply to drain away oh. his votes and keep him from winning.
5: Romney's been bugging Huckabee and publicly saying that Huckabee ought to get out of the race so that Romney can go after yeah. uh, McCain sort of uh, mano a mano.
6: It's funny how everybody in the media, and by ever I mean not everybody, but there has been a, ro- a lot of pieces in the media lately about how all of the other candidates I just openly despise Mitt Romney. Yeah, there's just, you know, there's obviously a heated competition between all the yeah. candidates, but how that guy, Time actually, Time magazine, I do believe in conjunction with CNN, Time ran a piece yesterday called the I Hate Romney Club. Uh, and it was an article all about how the other candidates just had this furious, white-hot loathing for Mitt Romney, which is gratifying, don't get me wrong. it is, But it is sort of strange. I don't recall that happening a lot in politics recently.
5: There are a number of... Uh... Talk conservative talk show hosts, in particular, who don't like Mitt Romney because um, uh, of his record in Massachusetts, which they believe uh, tended to be much more moderate than the way he's trying to portray himself now. Yeah, and uh, so you know, uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of conservatives again, who don't like McCain uh, because of his record in the Senate, uh, his views on social issues. Uh, then there are a lot of people who don't like Romney because of uh, his uh, record in Massachusetts. Uh, and Huckabee had had hoped that he would capitalize on all of that, but he hasn't quite done it yet. It's been uh, very interesting, but it appears uh, there's a good possibility after the voting tomorrow, uh, John McCain will pretty much be the front runner as far as the Republicans are concerned. In fact, I've just been listening some Democratic uh, rhetoric today on the campaign trail, in both Obama and Clinton are going after John McCain
6: Yeah. In particular. And, and And as I said long ago, no one named Huckabee will ever be president. That's just not going to happen. Not going to work. You called it, I suppose. I'm just saying, I know how It would be like having... You know what it is? It would be like having a president whose first name was Zeke. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. President, buddy. All right. Uh, all right. Are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, Oh, yes. All right. then. Oh, that's right, because probably all you guys are there. You're just at the salt mines early and often. So. I think, uh, yeah, Alisa and... Uh, Dick
5: Giuliano are down in Atlanta tomorrow co- anchoring the Super Tuesday primary coverage.
6: Excellent. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you to soon. You. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank there you. you. Go, Take care, right. gentlemen, from the... Bob! Oh. So glad we finally got him in a third try.
9: Excellent.
6: Excellent. Wonderful. By the way, just before we break and come back, uh, Tim Riley preparing news for the News Hour, which we'll get to in just a second. So my wife, on her way back from Panama... Uh, stopped. She had a she's a, she had a six hour layover in Atlanta, sitting there at the airport, nothing to do, six hours. Six. Ugh. It was to the point where she actually she said she almost hailed a cab and went to find a casino somewhere. Um, but she was in the airport for I think five and a half or six hours. Only good thing they came out of that, they have a CNN gift shop in Atlanta, of course, and so she brought me back a CNN refrigerator magnet and a pen. So there you go.
7: That must be very exciting for you.
6: And now you know the rest of the story. Uh, Tim Riley around the corner later on. Uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonians. Stay there. We will uh, continue after this. It's 503 Don't go anywhere. You walk not Best line in that film. Well, there was a, there's a billion best lines. I can't even... Never mind. I was going to say best line in Juno, but I can't even... What's one of the best ones, then? <sighs> Jesus, I meant to write it down. There was something that J.K. Simmons, which is her dad... There was something he said. Jesus, what was it? Now, I'm not going to do it justice. I'm not going to do it justice. I'll have to watch it again and take careful notes this time. All right. There was that line, though, where she was talking about the flavored condoms. She said, They make my boyfriend's junk smell like pie. Which is like, the best thing I've ever heard. All right. Oh, boy. Hi, Tim.
8: Good afternoon. Ladies
6: and gentlemen. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. And
2: now from the Ministry of Cube. This is Tim Riley.
8: The owner of a Milwaukee gas station has been found murdered. Japanese responded to a call at the Texaco station, 17869 Southeast McLaughlin Boulevard, after a man's body was found in obvious trauma. The victim identified as the gas station owner of some 15 years. His name is Gurdop Sohi. He lived in the Oregon City area. No details yet. But police are asking if anyone saw anything suspicious between 4.30 and 6.30 this morning at that gas station to call the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office. Meanwhile, couples are exchanging rings, toasting each other, and they're uh, registering as domestic partners throughout Oregon, not just here in Multnomah County. It was the first day of registration in Oregon after U.S. District Court Judge Michael Mossman lifted a temporary injunction, throwing those hillbillies out of Oregon once and for all.
6: Don't you kind of wish that we knew some rednecks just so we could call them and laugh? I you know what I mean? So. Just do like a little bit of a... It's like it's like wishing I knew Patriots fans today. Just I wish that I knew some hillbillies.
8: So couples pay uh, $60,000 for registration fee, and they I, can now uh, file joint state tax returns. I think you may insurance. have
6: misread that.
8: A $60. Okay. Not $60,000. Oh, no, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would kind of take the... Uh, the that fun would out take it. the sparkle out of the day. Yeah, it certainly would. So that's so that. So they pay 60 bucks, and then that does... Uh, so is that... Uh, so they got to get it notarized. Both partners have to uh, serve some form of ID as you're getting a notarized, as you do with every notarized right. document. Yeah, and then you give it back. Excellent.
6: So uh, yes, in your nice. face, pinheads. Wonderful.
8: So uh, while well, it was back in 2004 that the county passed that law authorizing same-sex marriages, and about 3,000 couples took advantage of that, it was later ruled unconstitutional, and the marriages voided.
6: Wait, now does everybody have to so, have to do that again? Yeah. So the 3,000 people all have to line up, yeah, and go do all this crap again? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I
8: think they all get their money back, but the this first is— time but
6: this is like the final word, right? Yeah. I mean, this is like the final. Skippy and Jeffro and Jed can all go pound it. Yes. All right.
8: right. oh! They closed out Evergreen High School in the coup today after a note was found attached to the door and a suspicious object found inside. The bomb squad was called in. Uh, nothing was found, but the kids got the day off. Well, somebody has stolen the phone lines in Cave Junction. Thieves hacked up and hauled away three miles of telephone and Wonderful. internet cables. That linked the Oregon Caves National Monument with the rest of the world. Uh, the lines that led up the mountain, south of Cave Junction to the cave headquarters, they were strung alongside a twisty mountain road. It was a, a remote but popular location. Most of the lines are made of copper. So now they're stealing telephone lines. Okay. Well, they can't steal the Sacagawea statue anymore.
6: <laughs> There's only so many times you can rob that. Mm-hmm.
8: So uh, that's that. I had something else here. Oh, uh, okay, so everyone keep an eye out for this missing pug. This is a a therapy pug dog. The owners are desperate to find her. Her name is Pearl. She is a black pug. She jumped out of her owner's car last night at 48th Avenue in the Woodstock area southeast. Uh, She is a uh, therapy dog. The owners are trying to... uh... Okay, so uh, apparently this dog is wandering around close by somewhere, they hope. So if you have seen that, Pearl, call the police. And where is this at? Southeast Portland. All right. Where you live.
6: He, he says with an air of menace.
8: All right. Uh, we're going to get some Super Bowl things. But first, I must tell you, uh, she may be pushing the big five but we always knew Madonna it would never go out gracefully. Now you can uh, see her once again dressed up as a, don- a dominatrix in a catsuit, raunchier than ever vehicle for the new single, Four Minutes to Save the World. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Justin Timberlake and U.S. producer Timberland will play her bitches. Are you kidding?
6: <laughs> Please yeah. tell me that this isn't your assessment, that you're reading this from a press release.
8: This is, uh... Please tell Can me... it say bitches? Does it say it's, it's, it's bitches? It's from the, the Mirror of London. But, I mean, does the
6: does the actual article say bitches? <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. No. <laughs> the video has been shot over three
8: days in a top-secret location in West London, including All right. uh, including some grueling all-night shoots. In the sexually charged video, Madonna crap. Uh, cr- <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be something else, wouldn't that it? That would be sexually charged. <laughs> she cracks the whip well, <laughs> and gets her slaves adjusted. <laughs> in her, in her new video... I don't,
11: I don't think I can make
6: this story. In, in her new <laughs> the video... She has slaves that she whips? Directed by, directed by Robert Maplethorpe. Uh-huh.
11: Uh-huh.
6: Yes. That part is true. You want me to put the whip where?
8: Well, wow, it's hard to determine fact and fiction from this. Isn't it? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, really, there's a finite number of things left for so her to there's, do. There's Justin Timberlake and Timberland, and a Madonna cracks the whip and gets her slaves to do whatever she wants. So lame. She, she towers over their bodies and killer heels. Why, why is this happening? I don't know. You know, and so Timberland, Timberland, eyes Madge in the darkened room, and then they disappear off to get close. The camera cuts to Madonna challenging J.T. to a (laughs) dance-on. They get close-up and personal in the battle of the gyrating hips and the sweat dripping off their bodies. (laughs) Once again, Justin Timberlake and Timberland will become Madonna's bitches. (laughs) This just (laughs) ends. Okay, can I have that? Sure you can. There
11: you you
6: go. You know, this is why she's moved to England, by the way, because the American press would never fall. They would never fall for this. No,
7: it's it's so sad. It's like that's what passes for edgy in Madonna Town. Now?
6: Seriously, Jesus. But I mean, you, but I think London must still be so enamored of her that they would just, you know, I've got this press release, publish it word for word. All right, Madge, you know, and then just like in America, this this is a heavily airbrushed photo of her, by the way. Jesus, don't get her mad. <laughs> I'm reading it. It does say it does say this in a newspaper. Justin Timberlake and U.S. producer Tittle and play her bitches. Right. Her bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, all right, there you go. Battle of the gyrating hips. Uh-huh. Well, all right, she's Madonna and I'm not, so... Like her, or like her. She still fills up the MGM grand. No, 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 I, I have nothing, no, really, I have nothing against Madonna. I'm just saying,
8: I could have gone, I could have gone the no, she, she gets into the Kabbalah stuff, and everybody gets up to get a snack. <laughs> the whole arena just <laughs> empties. It's <laughs> like when anything Kabbalah, everybody get up and take a break and go to the bathroom.
6: And now a nine-minute song about my children in five pots. It's like when I saw Alanis. Let's go
8: get some nachos.
6: <laughs> I saw set a couple of years ago. Um and um who we'll, we'll put on a decent show, but of course everybody's you know, everybody's there to hear the stuff off Jagged Little Pill. And I remember at, at one point, I don't know, it was like two thirds of the way through the show when she's she hasn't yet played like the big songs, like she hadn't played You Wanna Know and and Ironic and whatever. So it's like two thirds of the way through the stupid Alanis Morissette concert and she does that whole and I like, now this, I'm giving everybody a British accent, but she does that, she does that, um, turning into Britney, she, she goes, um, well, I'm just assuming that everybody's pretentious, also that it comes with a British accent, you know, like your pretension comes with a side of English diction, so, but alana does this thing of like, um, well, you know, I traveled around the world a lot, and I wrote this next song about, um, the, indig- the indigenous peoples of India, and immediately we're like, oh God, I gotta get up and go to the bathroom, and she started to play that Thank You India song, and man, it was like, exodus, like, everybody just fled, like, rats off the Titanic to the snack bar. And, the, and that thing, when you, she starts to play the song you hate, you look at your watch to see about how long you have until you have to be back. So, uh... Jesus, God. All right, so there you go. Do try to miss that, won't you, please? It's
7: a thank you song. Is that the one when she was walking naked down the thank street? Thank you, oh. India. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, that's a bad one.
6: as soon as she... Well, I had the chance to travel, and you meet a lot of different cultures. and This song is called Thank You, India. And as, first, as soon as she got thank you, in, like, we are, bam, gone. Everybody, like, half the crowd went to get a beer. All right, there you go. Um, did everyone here read Madonna's sex book? Has everybody seen that? I've seen it, yes. No, I've Sarah? always
7: wanted to see it. I never have. got
6: Vanilla Ice and his penis.
7: And under like, dogs and stuff in it, too. I
6: don't know. I didn't I, – I only kind there was a Barnes & Noble once, and the thing about that sex book is they sold it wrapped up and sealed, but at the Barnes & Noble uh, near where I was living at the time, somebody had, like – somebody had gone in and, like, cut it open, and so there was a display copy that had been it, sort of illegally opened, and so everybody – but in word kind of spread. That Madonna sex book is open at the Barnes & Noble, third row, fifth from the bottom. And you can go in and kind of, like, thumb through it, because it's, like, otherwise – like, who wants to pay for that? Like, who wants to... I don't even remember who was in it, other, other than Vanilla Ice, for some reason. It was ben- I thought
7: it was just her and a bunch of... Well, I mean, it was her and a he bunch of
6: skis, dancers, and Vanilla Ice, and it seems like there was some other celebrity. I keep wanting to say Cuba Gooding Jr. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost certainly I really not... Doubt that. That's almost certainly not true. All right, here's Tim Riley. <laughs> Dan, because you're waiting, it's uh-huh. time for the Britney Watch. Oh, fantastic. Here's your Britney Watch for Monday on the Rick show. <laughs>
8: Britney's custody hearing was postponed in Los Angeles today oh. until she is released from the loony bin. Oh, that sucks! Court spokesman Alan Parocchini explains why the hearing was moved to February 19th.
9: It took a while to get to that point because, as you can imagine, Ms. Spears' healthcare situation is huh. fluid, and there needs really?
8: discussion among
5: him?
9: the lawyers about what was practical Your brain is in terms fluid. Future dates.
8: So uh, that's that. Uh, then we have uh, L.A. City Councilman Dennis Zine. He wants Spears to pay the estimated $25,000 it cost the city to take her to the hospital last week.
0: I don't know why she couldn't have been put in a private car and taken to the hospital without calling the paramedics, but nevertheless, paramedics were called, but now the taxpayers are footing that bill. And I think out of good conscience, her agent or her family, this should repay the city.
6: That's fantastic. By the way, I noticed that Kevin Federline's lawyers are all uh, are demanding that Brittany start paying all of his legal fees as well. So the the deal is this morning... Uh, that it was going to be three sets of lawyers. It was going to be Kevin Federline's lawyers, Britney's lawyers, and then the lawyers for her dad or her parents, who are now the conservatives or whatever. Yes. So her dad has been put in charge of. But this does dovetail. By the way, I'm sorry, I inadvertently closed my email program. I have to open it back up and I crashed all my emails. Um, the um. So I, I, so on Friday, I was so excited about the Britney Spears happenings that on Friday I spent a a while setting up my TMZ account so the TMZ would send updates directly to my phone, and then as I described earlier in the show, I then spent about 90 minutes pretending to work, really just lying to myself. It was just staring at my phone for long periods of time, waiting for it to vibrate with what I was sure would be exciting Britney Spears news at any moment. And then I still, I, I have to check, maybe I've gotten something since the beginning of the program, but I didn't get a single TMZ update, which is really frustrating, because apparently at one point she went nuts uh, when she was told that her dad had been given control of her estate. She yeah,
7: I don't know anything about what happened with her over the weekend. Oh,
6: man. So I guess they told her, like, so, by the way, your dad now runs your whole life, and he has all your possessions. is
7: not he her estranged father, though? was he, like, not even a part of her life?
6: Well, apparently Brittany, That's uh, creepy. Brittany, simu- Brittany simultaneously loves and hates her parents, Sarah, because I guess at one point she wanted them by the bedside, but then at another point she
8: exploded, I hate my dad, F him. So it's just it's so wonderful. All right, here's Tim. Seems to be the only thing he has a relationship with is a greasy baseball cap. <laughs> well, Britney Spears' grandpa, June Spears, yes, his gran- her grandpa is named June. June. J-U-N-E, June. Really? Says little sis Jamie Lynn, who has a boy's name, because, well, the grandpa's name, June, is uh, kept under wraps. And out of the circumstances, that's probably a good thing. Uh, Lynn keeps Jamie Lynn hidden, says Grandpa June. She's, <laughs> <a Jew. laughs> She's in denial about the pregnancy. That must
7: be a glorious pregnancy. She <laughs>
8: thinks it's just going to go away, but it's not. It's going to get bigger and bigger. Who it's, thinks the, the baby? It's, it's June <laughs> <laughs> that's country okay. wisdom for you. That's uh, that's the medical knowledge from, from the Spears kinfolk. It's uh,
6: going to get bigger and bigger.
8: <laughs> then asked if he's ever shot at reporters. He replied, maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Jesus what a, the words and wisdom of June Spears.
6: <laughs> June Spears and yeah, uh, I can't even come up with whatever the female equivalent. And it's a
8: it's the grandfather named yeah. June. Yes, the paternal grandfather. His name is June. Jesus. Good God I had Almighty? I'd be confused with Aunt Les Toil. <laughs> <laughs> they are country.
6: It's true. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So Brittany um stuck in the crazy house. And, oh, by the way, the best uh, the best thing about the Britney story was that on Saturday night... So she got put in the loony bin, what, Thursday. My how time flies. And then Friday, Saturday. So Saturday night, TMZ said that she apparently was under the impression she was going home Saturday night. Oh, to have been there when they told her she was there for another two weeks. Just what I would have paid... What I would have given, what I would pay now for a time machine, if you give me a time machine now, I wouldn't use it to go back and write history's wrongs or to save the lives of the less fortunate or to speak with Jesus. I would go back just to be there when they told Britney Spears that she had to shut the hell up for once and stay there for two weeks and that they were going to put her in a small windowless room until she behaved. That's true. It would have been so gratifying. Um... So, yeah, so on Saturday she's like, I'm going home in an hour, y'all. And, no, not so much. (laughs) So it's wonderful. Uh, So I guess, yeah, her dad has been put in charge of all of her stuff. What's his name? Sam Blufty's been barred from seeing her, talking to her, even calling her. It's, uh.
7: That whole guy, like, just, it's creepy that he's been a part of her life for so long and still nobody really knows who he is or what he does. And And he's just always there. This is
6: really, it's only going to get better with every passing day. All right, Wonderful. That's the uh, Britney watch. Excellent. There's your uh, Britney watch for Monday. I hope in I in heaven.
11: Britney,
6: The Nickel Arcade. Wonderful. And you know that everybody calls him Junebug. You know that's the case. You know. You know Why would
7: they call him Junebug?
8: Because that's what idiots call people named June.
6: That's what Hicks do, Sarah. Uh,
8: uh, if his name was Patty, it would be like Patty Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's her uncle. Ah, <laughs> uh, wonderful. June and his brother Ormond. All right. Say, ladies, here's some important news. High heels will improve your sex life. Wearing higher heels may improve your sex life, according to a noted Italian doctor. Dr. Maria, oh, is this a woman doctor? I'm not sure. Now, Dr. Maria Ceruto says two-inch high heels can help improve pelvic floor muscles. Uh, the doctor is a urologist and a self-professed <laughs> lever of high heels. I'm sorry? Through, through minutes,
7: I missed that first part. Could you say that again?
8: She is a urologist and a self-professed lever of high heels. She's out to prove that they're not as bad as one might think. A study of 66 women, (laughs) under 50, showed that those who held their feet at a 15-degree angle to the ground, the equivalent of a 2-inch heel, uh, had as good posture as those who wore flat shoes. And crucially, they showed less electrical activity in their pelvic muscles, suggesting that they have an optimum position and could improve the strength and ability to contract. Pelvic floor muscles assist sexual performance and satisfaction. Wait, hold they on. They also provide vital support for pelvic organs, which Wait. include the bladder, <laughs> bowels, and uterus.
6: Wait, no. I have to. Can you go back and read that last paragraph again, the starting with the the description of the pelvic floor muscles, because oh. it really needs like the a...
8: pelvic floor muscles assist sexual performance and satisfaction and also provide vital support for the pelvic organs which include the bladder bowels and uterus but they often weaken after pregnancy and childbirth they weaken the doctor said women often have difficulty in carrying out the right exercises for their pul- uh, the pelvic zones and wearing heels could help like many women i love high heel shoes it's good to know they have potential health benefits so is this I don't get it. Is this like first? There's so much
6: in the story. The pelvic floor. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. Clearly, that's a part of the anatomy. I'm just saying it's like that weird um, juxtaposition of a biological term and like a, a, a real world term that's sort of unpleasant. Like when I God, what is that? What is that term I heard last year? I read that, I read it in a book somewhere. It was um geez, it was something. Oh, it was something called the rectal shelf. And it's like you don't want to. I don't even know what that is. It was like da 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 near the rectal shelf. And it, 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 I, I don't under. I mean, there are terms I could go my whole life without here The
7: thing I is, I wasn't really into pelvic floor either. <laughs> and why is it
6: always furniture?
7: Why is it always sections of
6: your house? Well, what we're going to do is decorate your rectal shelf and your pelvic floor. Jesus. Um, so yeah, there you go. So this is like Kegel exercises, but just by putting on your shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
8: Oh, by the way, it's National Sick Day. A case of the winter blues means more workers will call in sick today than any other day of the year. The survey suggests the first Monday in February is the worst day for absenteeism. It is also dubbed National Sicky Day. Among 30,000 staff are uh, projected not to show up for work this morning, costing the economy millions. Post-Christmas blues, poor weather, credit card bills, and the long wait for the next holiday are all to blame. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, an expert on this says we advise our clients to keep a particularly close eye on the staff taking this day off. Although some will be, uh, well, actually sick. Some may have genuine ailments. It's important to monitor absenteeism at work at all times.
6: And that totally sounds like it's some weird thing from like the, uh, like the. that sounds like some weird propaganda thing. It's like only you can monitor your co-workers' behavior patterns. Loose lip sink ships. Oh, by the way, so, um, uh, well, never mind. I, I was going to say something. No, no, no. I was going to say something, but I'll, I'll save it till next hour. Um, so, uh, and whatnot. Oh, by the way, uh, this says, Rick, I was finishing my daily run when Tib read the Madonna story. Uh, I was, but pe- he made the thing about cracked and crapped. I was passing through the quiet park that borders my neighborhood and almost hit the ground laughing. This caused my fellow suburbanites uh, to eye me with mistrust. Thank you, Jim Riley, for moving me to the Top of the Neighborhood Watch Top Ten list. P.S. My wife's grandmother loves Bumble and Bumble. Great.
8: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that. you won't hear this type of program on the satellite now, will you? Hey,
6: by the way, somebody sent me a link to an online posting of the Madonna sex book and all of its contents.
8: Oh. Would you like to read a couple of poems out of that?
6: <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I forgot that it had, like, bad, horrible essays, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them about how uh, her... Um, her fond feelings toward her own uh, vagina. I forgot that. All right, so let's see. I'm looking the importance
8: at the... of wearing high heels.
6: <laughs> An ode to my pelvic floor, by Madonna. Um, yeah, so here we are. So I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the sex book here. Jesus, how was it? You know, it's hard to believe. I hate to say this. It's hard to believe Maybe. that there was a time uh, when there was shocking content. When this was shocking. When this was sort of. when Can this you have was. It on con- your computer. I'm looking at it right here. All right, I'm coming over. It's just, you can't really imagine that there was a time when this is really scandalous. Especially when you consider that most of the poses she's doing here are not, not, uh, they're not any worse than sort of, most of them are not any worse than like old school, like a burlesque photos. Um, let's click on one at random, shall we? All right, so we are now looking at some photos from Madonna's sex book. Jesus, which is almost 20 years old, isn't it? Like yeah, 19- I would say so. 1991, 92, something like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a little off-putting.
7: <laughs> I wish we weren't standing next to each other
6: right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of awkward just now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be.
3: Yeah, the real reason why uh, everybody takes today off is because they're hungover from the Super Bowl. I hadn't really thought about that. That's, that's 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 what they say the number one reason why. It's
8: not in that research information.
3: And I have one more thing to add. Um, for the last couple of weeks uh, during your breaks, uh the radio has been asking me if I have herpes for the last time. The answer is no.
6: <laughs> Thank you. Here's Tim Riley at in the Ministry
8: of Truth. Well, a woman teaches a suspect a very hard lesson. It looks like a couple of suburban St. Louis purse snatchers picked the wrong woman to attack. The victim fought back with a snow shovel. Apparently, this happened outside a Chinook's grocery store. The women weren't loading groceries when the thieves tried to steal two persons from their cart. One of the women grabbed a shovel from the suspect's pickup and smacked one of the men inside the head. The other woman jumped into the cab and attacked the other suspect and grabbed the keys so he couldn't drive away. Well, the first batchers were quickly uh, tracked to uh, the hotel nearby... The man struck with the shovel required several staples to close the gash in his skull. Ah, uh, all right.
6: You know, you can kill somebody with a snow shovel. That's the whole idea, right? Really, really no, the, you could really decapitate somebody with one of those pretty easily. All right, here's. Uh, let's see. Oh, the, okay. So this guy sent me a, a, a blow by blow of the uh, the Madonna sex book. Uh, he says, "Let's see, other people in the book. Let's see, Naomi Campbell, Vanilla Ice, bald lesbians holding knives." <laughs> <laughs> That is edgy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Sarah is right. to, had a mouthful of liquid when I said that. Cool Modi, um, Hell's Angels, let's see, a dog, a two-page spread of her crotch, naked hitchhiking, and a weirdly weird picture of an old man. All right, thank you, sir. And a
7: really weird picture of an old man. Yeah, no,
8: nah, I don't have to look at it. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. I'm still trying to find, if it is indeed a true story, the soundbite of Hillary crying today.
6: Well, I saw the thing on the Drudge, but I didn't. I, I didn't actually look at the actual story. I didn't
8: really read it. Um, I, I just have a wire copy edition of that story. But so far, so there's no proof that Hillary can cry. There is no proof whatsoever that Hillary can cry. Well, hold
6: on. Let's see here. I'm looking. Um, I'm probably looking at the same. Uh, I'm probably looking at the same story. You are. Wait. There, oh, wait. There might be. Is this an ad, or is this the actual broadcast? Okay, here we go. Okay, I think this might be audio. Senator Hillary Clinton teared up this morning at an event at the Yale.
2: You became senator, and you carried the case of children to yet a higher level. Politicians have for so long made an art form of talking about... Uh-huh. and their needs oh. and not getting much what? done that actually what? makes their I, lives I thought it didn't better. exist.
8: That's why I cut off. <laughs> you were wondrously different.
2: You translated your words into action. Oh,
8: God. This is a four-minute clip. I hope she cries soon. Start. It's going to take at least three and a half to work in
6: years. a
2: better world for children. Health care, education, special education, secure homes for children who need them. This guy's distracting the, the camera person while somebody shoves soap children. flakes
6: into her eyes. Oh, mm-hmm. for the love of Christ.
2: How we hope that you are incomparable Hillary.
6: Oh, no, he's crying. He's crying while talking to Hillary Clinton. Oh, could you be more of a pussy? What man cries while speaking to Hillary Clinton unless she's got her boot on your throat? That's... <laughs> unless she's busy flogging you. Spare my life. <laughs> <laughs> and she's up in a booth giving a thumbs down.
8: Really? Is need- <laughs> he still talking about children? He still—he cries and then he continues to speak.
6: Okay.
7: I sure that she cried, not just him
8: crying.
6: I went and hold the camera slowly zooming in on Hillary. Over
12: span Almost as if this were a decades.
6: scripted moment that's mm-hmm. about to happen. <laughs>
2: All right highest level in the land your friends
6: how long is the question oh for the gets to go on this guy's on his this guy's on his 90
7: some random guy crying some random
6: guy weeping we thing, <laughs> as though he's talking to Morrissey somebody who's got, this guy is on a minute 45 of asking this question
2: until right now getting <laughs> <laughs> too truth we know you have oh always... uh.
7: <laughs> Rick, do you w- think the payoff is really going to be that good?
6: <laughs> I we're so invested in it now, we have to let it play to see if she really cries. This is Hillary allegedly about to cry. Right is right there. About to
7: question. So, does she cry? Or is she almost going to cry? I don't
6: know. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't. In
7: the Oval
2: Office.
7: <laughs> <laughs> you will know what needs to be done.
2: You will say what needs to be said. He's choking is there up even again. A He's
8: crying again. Ugh. <laughs> <And you> will... <sighs> He needs to be tased. We
2: <laughs> our beloved America, the great nation for children that we have always dreamed be oh. So welcome home, dear friend. We are so proud of you. you.
11: Well, there be question? No,
8: no, just a big. <laughs> well, okay, we <we're> just <laughs> we're five minutes
6: Oh no, we're not even done. Oh. Another minute and a half. After all of this, we have to see if she cries. It was worthy enough of a, you know, it was good enough that it drudge made it
8: a headline.
1: Well, I said I would not tear up.
8: <laughs> oh. But she made him cry. <laughs> this is going to freeze I
11: for.
6: This is so frustrating. Where are
7: you this from?
1: Uh, I, I'm so grateful. SwampPolitics.com. You know, and everyone who's here. I don't
6: think she's going to cry. I think she. I think she. Uh, she pulled a little trick there. A little verbal flim At the
1: Child Study Center for welcoming me. Thank you, Fred. Very very much. I think. Uh, and I'm very grateful to my longtime friend. And...
6: I think she made a reference there to. Well, I said I wasn't going to tear up
1: my one-time boss, Penn Rodin, uh, because when I did show all up... All right, we've the, got
6: uh, 55 seconds left in which she has to cry. Although I think she may have just the said, here
1: I said, I said I wasn't going to tear up. That's how mm-hmm. we became... As sort friends. of
6: a way to imply and that she had, and we, we all did, know that's physically uh, impossible.
1: some wonderful work. He did. I helped.
6: All of her um, duct work has been removed long ago.
1: <laughs> particularly regarding... <kids laughs> Inside her is kids just sawdust and, uh, and, abuse and death. Abused and neglected kids. And uh, I am very grateful for his... Uh,
6: if she hasn't cried by now, I don't think she's, she's going to cry. But now we have to hear. We have to finish it out, though. We have to. I'm sorry, Tim. This is Somebody make Hillary, Hillary
1: cry. <laughs> should a, a, down we down. should have a contest. Children. That, should
6: that should be, be our next radio confidence station confidence contest. They make Hillary Clinton uh, cry. Do. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I <laughs> I we'll give you also. We'll also give you a thousand dollars and some CDs if you can make Hillary Clinton cry. Uh, all of you for being here, and, in and immediately in my head, I want to. Uh, it just cuts
6: to somebody like shooting a baby seal right in front of, of her. Also,
1: here in New Haven. Uh,
6: okay, she's got 15 seconds left. I told
1: him the other day when we were in Hartford that uh, this is just a ba- uh, throat scraping. me, a reporter said, "Well, did you date him?" I said,
6: <laughs> <laughs> "There's no." She doesn't cry.
1: I'm sorry, Dick, but you know they can ask me anything. And...
6: No, they, so she never cried. This whole thing was it was a falsehood. Drudge is peddling
8: some sort of fabrication here. And gets millions of people to fall for it.
6: Okay, Hillary. T- t- and take ten minutes out of your day. Don't you feel dirty? I do. Especially because of... Remember that, 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 uh, that last time that she supposedly almost mm-hmm. cried, which is that she was in the pastry shop surrounded by uh, a bunch of the ladies? Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody ever really saw her cry then either. That's a thing where she just kind of went, well, it gets really hard. And then immediately Hillary balls head off at, you know, at, at donut shop. So... I don't believe that there is any photographic or filmic evidence at this point that she's actually capable of producing moisture of any kind. So that's just a theory. I'm I'm floating. Uh, hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
0: Hey, Tim, Sarah, Rick, and Richie. Hello. Yeah, just, uh, just wanted to tell you, I think uh, the Big Daddy Kane is the uh, other rapper that's in the Madonna book. Uh, if Kumo D was in there, I don't remember seeing him, but Big Daddy came because he bragged about it on one of his albums.
7: Oh, of course. Well, totally. Yeah, Chris Paddock just wrote me that same thing. Really? Okay, yeah. excellent. Uh,
6: so, yeah, so this website must have it mislabeled. I'm, you know what? I bet that he never thought that he would be uh, in a book with Vanilla Ice. I don't think uh, that probably, probably never not.
0: never entered his head. So Yeah, I worked, I worked at a place at the time where we had two huge pallets of that book come in when it came out. And a couple of them got uh, damaged, and that's how we got to see the whole thing. But I actually owned a copy of it.
6: But I can't imagine that many people actually bought the Madonna sex book. You know what I mean? Like, who wanted – I mean, in 1992, who wanted to be seen purchasing that?
0: Well, we were a uh, wholesaler in this area for quite a few years, and we sold tons of it. So somebody – there's a lot of them out there somewhere.
6: Interesting. All right, because I don't think to this day – uh, I think if you own it, I think you would be the first person I have ever actually met that owns the Madonna. Like, everybody's sort of aware of it, and a lot of people sort of, you know, like saw it or snuck a peek at it or something. But I don't think I've ever really met anybody until you, who actually
8: owns a copy of it. So you would be the one, sir. Yes, I am. All
0: right. All right. All right. Hey, hey, guys, take care. Best show you, ever. There
8: you go. All right. Uh, so we've just learned that Thomas S. Monson, known for his folksy storytelling... He's now the head of the Church of Jesus Christ. And he's 80? He's 80. This is this like the Kremlin? They yeah. just replace people they know are going to die in a yes, couple years? Yes, I
6: was going to say, that means we get to do this whole thing again in a couple years. Kind of like with the Pope.
8: So apparently he tells folks these stories and spins some yarns. Yeah, whatever.
6: Uh, right. I,
8: he's the head of the uh, Mormons. <laughs>
6: Okay. Oh, by the way, do you, you see that whole thing about how um, Mitt Romney tried to make this completely, like, stealth-like appearance at, the, at Gordon Hinckley's funeral? Well, oh. that just came at the absolute worst time for that guy. He's just busy trying to do his Jedi mind trick. I'm not really a Mormon. I'm not crazy. And then, of course, his president goes and dies. Uh, so he has to immediately fly back to Salt Lake City for Gordon Hinckley's funeral. And I'm not passing any judgment. I'm just saying it is it, it is indicative that the rest of the world still thinks Mormons are freaky enough that no politician who was not himself a Mormon went to the funeral. I uh, remember when the Pope died, like everybody on Earth went to the Pope's funeral. I was just every politician from every place on planet Earth. Uh, well, that's it, the Pope. W- went to the, I know, I'm just saying Gordon B. Hinckley was just the usual suspect. He, uh... he
8: doesn't have a hat.
6: <laughs> no. No, just innumerable wrinkles. Right. All uh, right. Hats and robes and red shoes. Yeah. The Mormons have none of that. I have to tell you, a friend of mine um, shook Gordon B. Hinckley's hand at one point. Uh, we were kind of... Where were we at? Oh, we were uh, at gradu- a A friend of ours was graduating from the University of Utah some years ago, and um, we went to the graduation, and Gordon Hinckley attended the graduation ceremony at the U of U, and um, my friend and I were sitting there, and we're like, I don't know, about 10 rows up, and this, like, tiny, withered... Like wisp of a man sort of slouches in, flanked by sort of secret service guys on every side. And there was all the you know, the whisper and the pastor so the scarred necklace, the prophet of the church. And we realized it was Gordon B. Hinckley, who I mean, here, like in Portland, you just look at him and he's just, you know, you know, he's just some, some withered nutcase. Uh, but like, you know, in, in Salt Lake, I mean he is the Pope. He is the Pope of the of of the Mormon church. And so my friend Todd is like, I'm gonna go shake his hand. And I'm like, No, you can't, they'll beat you. And he's like, no, no no I'm gonna go do it, I'm gonna go shake his hand right now. And it, it was amazing, actually, how easy it was to do it. You realize that he, like a lot of people who reaches a certain level of um, fame or or achievement or notoriety, no one surrounds him. Like if you're some sort of like a low level celebrity, or you know, or even if you're like a Paris Hilton type, you know, you go out and people sort of flock all around you. But if you become ultra famous, even in a you know, in, in, even in sort of a small group, if you become ultra famous you are then at such a level of celebrity that no one approaches you because they just assume they can't. So what he learned is if you just go up uh, to somebody like that, there will be nobody else competing for their attention because people just assume you can't get near them. And so the Secret Service guy sort of like looked at him, but he kind of went, uh, hello, President Hinckley, I just, uh, just wanted to shake your hand. And so he you know, reached out. And So there's my friend Todd, who at the time was like the staunchest atheist you ever would have met, shaking the hand of Gordon Hinckley. He later described it, by the way, as shaking a warm piece of room-temperature rubber that had absolutely no bones inside it.
8: So, there you go,
6: Gordon Hickley. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, because it's like 1
8: o'clock. already. Well, listen to this. A rumored reunion of the boy band, The New Kids on the Block, has apparently been in the works for quite some time. Uh, Page 6 says members Donnie Wahlberg, Joey McIntyre, and Jordan Knight have secretly been working with legendary music manager Irvin Azoff recording a new album. That is just about done. Uh, Jonathan Knight and Danny Wood have yet to join in the reunion. In his MySpace posting earlier, Wood responded to the reunion uh, rumors, writing, There's been no talk of this, and you are getting this from the source directly. You can't believe everything you read. Why, wow, that's kind of murky, isn't it? I mean, why would they possibly be recording a new album at this point? The level
6: of self delusion uh, that is required for a band like the New Kids on the Block to record new material
8: in 2008 is just staggering. The public demands it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> people are filling the streets with placards and reeds. Fifteen people have signed the petition.
8: Please bring them back. <laughs> Gathering in
6: dimly lit rooms and burning candles to their god, demanding that the New Kids on the Block record new material. Jesus. All right. Um, God, it's almost one o'clock. I don't know where any of our time goes. It went to nine minutes. We haven't even done the commercials yet. Waiting for Hillary Clinton to die, uh, cry. Oh
7: my gosh, we haven't taken a break in like fifteen. We're not
6: waiting for Hillary Clinton to die. We're waiting for Hillary Hillary Clinton (laughs) to to cry,
8: to live live and to cry, to live and prosper.
6: (laughs) She's not gonna cry. She's never gonna cry. People should get that idea out of their heads right now. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, when we come back, Super Bowl commercials. Tim Riley. Yes, we have plenty of them. Exciting, exciting. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. All right
7: now. I'm a little scared though.
6: My hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio program. Don't forget, later on giving away tickets to Rush. By the way, in case you should smell something wonderful in the air today. That's me wearing my new scented deodorants. I'm wearing Arm & Hammer Cool Blast. I don't even know... I don't know at what point we stopped using actual descriptive terms for scents. Didn't things used to smell like... What is this? Well, it's strawberry. What about this? Well, it's coconut. What about this? Lilac. Now things smell like uh, ice glacier mist. And, and again, my, my armpits apparently smell like Cool Blast today. No. Well, I normally buy unscented everything... Because, I mean, who really wakes up in the morning? You know what would really help? First of all, how much do you smell if not only do you need an antiperspirant deodorant, not like not only is it not enough to get rid of your own natural body odor, you apparently then need to cover it with the smell of juniper berries or something. So You're actually
7: questioning why people wear deodorant?
6: No, no, no. Scented deodorant. I'm saying.
7: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you're like hot and it's nice to smell. Like, so I would be happy would to smell. I'd
6: be happy to have no smell at all. We can
7: get unscented. Uh, That's
6: what I usually do. That's what I'm saying. It's like how badly... It's kind of
7: strange for men to wear scented. That's what I'm saying. How
6: badly do you stink when it's not enough to just get rid of your own body odor? You then have to get rid of it and replace it with the smell of lavender or, you know, whatever. So today, cool blast, Rick Emerson. Here's Tim Riley.
8: Hey, how about them Giants? The New York Giants (laughs) win over the New England Patriots. Yeah, man. It was the most watched Super Bowl game ever. Hey, man. 97.5 million viewers. The game eclipsed the previous Super Bowl record of 94.08 million, set when Dallas defeated Pittsburgh in 1996. Only one other show in American broadcast history was watched by more people. It was Nash in 1983, drawing 106 million viewers. Uh, Sunday's game uh, had all the ingredients that Fox could hope for, a tight contest with an exciting finish, involving a team that was attempting to make history as the NFL's first unbeaten team since 1972.
6: A tight contest with an exciting finish sounds like a description of some sports-oriented porn film.
8: Well, I'm just reading what's written here. Okay. But the Giants ended New England's bid for protection, 17 to 14. Do you understand anything that you were reading? The score. Okay. And the fact that the Giants beat New England. So how about them Giants? Hey, Amen. Hey, man. All right. Well, the best thing about that, of course, well, we're going to get to the, uh, the celebrity performances in just a moment, but the commercials are what people watch this game for. Is that not true? It is true, Tim Riley. Uh, so let's play a few of these. There were thirty-two. We cannot play them all. <laughs> Wait. So, how did you select? The, so there are how I many total? How many total commercials? Thirty, and I picked ten.
6: Okay. How well, did forty-two you, actually? How did you select the ten? Things how did that you... don't seem too visual. <laughs> okay. So you went with you went with things that can be expressed well, auditorily. This is, a, this
8: is a hearing medium. Okay. So we're only going to play things that people can hear
6: really is like broadcasting 101 today today uh, we're going to focus on things people can hear on our radio program
8: so listen with your ears to this one uh will ferrell does a bud light spot as uh jackie mason no jackie oh, can, moon okay can i just say yes
6: i did laugh at this and i know that i and always so ac- will you i accuse will ferrell all the time of just playing the same character in a different and career has to but no fun. i mean that's the thing it's like it's easy to sort of pick on him and to say, well, he just does the same character in a different profession, which I guess is true to some degree, because Ricky Bobby is Ron Burgundy, is like whoever this new guy is, is the guy from Blades of Glory, is the guy from, you know, like his, his you know, you, you just know that there's like an upcoming High ali movie or something is starring Will Ferrell. But the thing is, he does it so well that I let it slide. That's the thing. You know what I mean? If you're gonna, just going to like stir that same drink over and over and over again, you can only get by if you're really funny, and the thing is, Will Ferrell is really funny. There's just no getting around that. So I did laugh, and this whole shot is just the whole commercial was one static shot mm-hmm. of him uh, in a locker room, foot up on a bench, wearing like really revealing dolphin shorts and a bad. Uh, he has like the bad white man's fro going on, uh, talking about uh, what is it? Bud Light. It's Bud Light. Talking yeah. about Bud Light.
3: All
8: right. So here he is. All
3: right. I'm Jackie Moon. I drink one beer and one beer only. Bud Light. A magical blend of barley, hops, and
0: delicious alcohol. Nothing. That's, that's not a line. Action. Makes a perfect Valentine's
11: gift for the ladies. Toss. A lot of sweat goes into every bottle.
8: <laughs> not literally.
6: That would be gross. But you know what I mean. Cut. Refreshes the palate.
10: And the loins. Toss. Bud Light. Suck one. <laughs> Bud Light keeps coming.
7: It was re- I mean, that's actually Bud Light is really genius with their marketing campaign.
6: Man, I don't know what it is about Budweiser. I, I, there really should be, and I would buy a marketing book about Budweiser because you know I'm. I'm. Uh, this sounds really nerdy, but I'm a big fan. of I buy a lot of books about corporations, books about companies, because American business sort of fascinates me. And I would love to see a book because, it, I mean, it can't just be coincidence that Budweiser consistently has. Would we all agree that Budweiser has consistently speaking the best commercials every single year? I would say so yeah it's always Budweiser, and I mean, how is that possible? It can't just be the ad agency because whoever the ad agency is that works with Budweiser must have other clients so it, it's it's not like it's just whoever does their marketing there's there's something you know it's like I remember growing up in um in Kennewick. And there was the, the big thing that happens in of every year is this hydroplane race tournament, where it's just like these huge speed boats. And there's this huge speed boat race that happens. And every single year, like, there was never a year that the Budweiser boat didn't win. Like, every year for like a billion years, the Budweiser boat. there's
8: They have some weird pact with the devil going on there.
6: That's all I'm going to say.
8: So that spot, as well as all the other 30 second spots, cost $2.7 million. Jesus. Swear. So Fox made some money on this. Now, was there an ad for The Dark Knight? Because I thought there was going to be, and then I never
6: saw one. What's it called? The, the Dark Knight, the Batman film. I don't see it. No, I know there was an ad for... Um, uh, blah da blah, blah, blah Must have been really gripping. What, what was that movie that there was an ad for? Oh, there was an ad for that Iron Man movie with Robert Downey Jr., in which I'm
8: completely uninterested. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me a bad geek, but... Uh, all right. And now for our next selection, Shaquille O'Neal plays a horse racing jockey in this commercial for vitamin water.
13: It's one-trick pony and Copernicus battling a length ahead with Mike from Queens on the outside of Prime Chili and Betty
6: the waiter. Toothless Tiger and Old Man Gator at the back of the pack. And there's the long shot, new jockey, Shaquille O'Neal on Chuck of Love. Extraordinarily large for a jockey. He apparently tried vitamin water power C with vitamin C and taurine and decided to saddle up for this. He said he wanted a crown to go with all those rigs. And Chuck of Love, half-fly sail on the other side, not normally known for speed, is coming on like an angry Viking. Now alongside Julio
8: Cuaron, and Shaq's boxing out Cuaron, is setting his dominance to the low boat. Watch out! the stretch with less than a fall on both. Unbelievable! Freddy the waiter and Prime Chilly coming together to keep Shaq
11: back, but Shaq won't be denied! The crowd is on its feet! Prime Chilly, Chunk of Blob, Freddy the waiter, too! Close to Colin, the top of the wire! Full weight! Mother of in the photo! And Shaq by a nose! And he's done it! O'Neill and Chunk of Blob have taken the crown! One for the record book! O'Neill and a valiant Billy!
6: This feels they like, like the longest commercial eight ever! Eight it history. is, in 60 seconds! Vitamin,
8: and <laughs> we're done. All right. I have a, a shorter one. This is only twenty seconds. This is Richard Simmons.
6: Okay. Now is this the one? Uh, this is Bridgestone tires. Okay. Now, uh, did you see the full length uh, the television version of this? You know, the I have not. The no. sixty second version. Go ahead and play this. All right.
12: And squeeze so fun. Is... You are so worth it. Come on, girl. Wow. Sweet
6: only in America. Cold, cold. Ah! I could never.
2: Drivers who want to get the most out of their cars.
11: That is fantastic. I believe
6: it's Bridgestone. I could never have a career in Iran. Um, so, it, here's the Bridgestone tire ad is interesting because the one that aired I think was a 60 second spot, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's first of all I have to say this, this is no reflection on Bridgestone tires. I'm sure it's a quality product. Terrible commercial. It's an awful commercial, and you can tell it's one of those commercials where at the last minute, like they were all the ad agency, they were all sitting around the conference table. And, like, the client had given them $2.4 million or whatever. Like, well, we got to come up with, look, it's it's 5.30. But the spot has to be done by 6.15. What are we going to come up with? And, literally, the commercial was just a random conglomeration of weird things in the road that the guy had to dodge while he was driving late at night. So the commercial is the guy in the car speeding down this windy country road late at night, pitch black. And then, of course, the the, the Bridgestone tires that grip the road so effectively that they let him avoid death, And so the first thing he has to dodge is like, I don't know, it's like a bicycle in the road or something. And then the second thing he has to dodge is like Alice Cooper, who's just standing in the road holding a snake for no reason. And then the third thing he has to dodge is Richard Simmons. And even my description of it is making it sound funnier than it really is. It really was, it was just like... Remember that that uh, uh, that website we went to a while back that had all those B celebrities from television oh, shows no. that were available for interview? It was like they had to get a spot done for the Bridgestone thing. It was like, who do we have access to? Well, much of budget. I was just gonna say, it's like that scene in Apollo 13 where they dump all of the equipment on the table and they go, "We have to save the craft using only these items." It was like someone said, "All right, we got the car. I have access to a windy road. Somebody here knows Richard Simmons." And then uh, we have Alice Cooper. What can we do with these items? And then somebody just said, well, we'll stick them all on a road somewhere and film it. We'll be good. And that's it. So in a commercial that seemed like it, I'm sure that on the printed page, it looked like it was going to be exhilarating. It was not.
8: Now we have Justin Timberlake being dragged all over town by a woman drinking Pepsi. I'm sat for Pepsi and Amazon.com. <laughs>
6: This is very auditory, Tim. Justin. Hey,
8: See who's naked.
6: Every sip gets you closer. <laughs> Justin Timberlake MP3s. Uh, hey. uh-huh. I like hey. So this is, um, so the whole commercial is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> I like you pick ones that didn't need to be seen.
7: You just to play because he's Madonna's little
6: bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um,. But, you know, here on KCMD Portland. But there was that, I hate to say it, there's that great moment where he just... Where his junk gets hit by a stop sign like five or six times in a row. Yeah. And I mean... look,
7: That did get many guffaws from all the men in the room. You
6: know what? Look, we're not supposed to... I I know that we try to be intelligent and I try to... We're not part of the grid wash. But you know what? It's just funny. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody's delicate sensibility. And and
8: we don't try very hard for anything.
6: (laughs) No. I mean, it really is just... Literally, ow, my balls. I mean, and the best part about that, though, is as he's being dragged along the ground, his legs splayed wide, he, he he comes up on the stop sign, and they do this great little moment of, like, the stop sign almost hits his junk, and then it stops at the last moment, like he's going to avoid it, and then it just goes wham, 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 and hits it, like, three <laughs> times really fast. So I wonder if they did a moral. body double for that. <laughs> you know, I was actually wondering that myself. How they did that commercial and how much of it was actually him. Is it one rate, like, he smashes his face against a window? And I was wondering how they did some of that stuff. I guess not with the magic of computers, it's
8: really easy, but it does. Um, but it was a pretty interesting commercial. Uh, e Trade uses technology to make an info the beer to talk, use the internet, and yes, vomit. A
6: lot of people are like, aren't you too young to invest so as a, a baby? Some, you know, A, don't worry about it.
2: Oh, the yeah,
14: creepy well, young. I mean, You don't know
2: how old I am. B, I use E Trade, so check it.
6: I just bought stock. You oh, just I see. It's a baby stock. doing something adult. no big deal. Yeah. It's pretty creepy, though. I mean, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I'm walking over to Tim's computer. There's uh-huh. no video there either. No.
8: You came over here to look at audio. <sighs> yeah.
6: All right.
7: I ran into the Teenage other Celebrity stool. <laughs> Ow.
8: Oh, okay. What
6: are okay. doing
7: there? there? I, don't oh, I don't know.
8: It's it's, it's so the, dark it's the in day here. after the weekend. <laughs> yes. Just grab everything down and hope for the best.
6: (laughs) You know what this room needs to be? This studio needs to be built like one of those new Seattle public toilets where every Monday we can press a button and the whole studio goes "Mm and closes and then just power washes itself clean.
8: How many, how, how many do we have left? We have, we have five, and we still haven't got to the entertainment oh portion yet.
7: I found out, I'm going to send you the link to the Talking Baby. All right. It's pretty creepy looking. Everyone
8: loves the Talking Baby. Who doesn't love Talking Baby? The NFL Network shows how predictions made before football season start and how sometimes they don't come true.
10: Eli. closest Eli comes to a Super Bowl ring is when
8: he gets Peyton a manager. Randy Moss? Well, the Raiders didn't want him. What's that tell you?
3: Exactly.
11: Because I am going to spend the rest of my life with this woman.
8: And the Bears are going back to the Super Bowl.
11: Get your story straight.
4: Watch on, it on the Golf Network.
8: Four left. <laughs> <laughs> Another attractive woman uses planters nuts as perfume <laughs> and mom oh, is desired by many men. Is this where she rubs nuts on her face? Now you think of the Justin Timberlake commercial. What?
7: Just Isn't she like? Yeah, rub- she rubs like pastures.
6: Yeah, she rubs, I'm not trying to be blue, she rubs nuts on her skin.
7: Is she rubs nuts all over her body.
10: Like,
6: like they weren't, like they didn't anticipate this when they created the spot. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Tides stains. This a, This was great. Georgia. This was the best commercial of the day.
7: I, I, I hands on one hundred percent agree. That is hilarious. All right, but this the
8: stain on his shirt distracts the interviewer with so little So let me just let me paint the uh,
6: picture oh here before God. we play this. This was the best
8: commercial of the game.
6: Um, it's a kind of normal looking, kind of chunky guy sitting down, obviously for a job interview. He's wearing a white shirt, and then right above, like the left breast of his shirt, right by his left shoulder, is like a stain. It's just like a gravy stain or something that is clearly distracting the guy who is interviewing him. And every time the interviewee tries to speak and talk about his resume, the stain just goes and just and just screams a bunch of gibberish. It's really, really funny. I think it'll even work in an audio sense. I think no, this will work without yeah. So picture the stain on his shirt talking every time he tries to talk about his him you know, his job skills.
2: So tell me about yourself. Well, you know, I'm an organized person, somebody who does oh, come not come need details, I'm actually very, very, very good with groups.
11: Mm-hmm. I've
1: surpassed all mm-hmm. my goals, my, yeah. position, my prior yeah. job and your competitor,
11: yeah. my
2: yeah. personality has yeah. surpassed their
6: own day. <laughs> that, that's really, that should be our end of show clip. That's really funny.
7: I love this little mouth.
6: Yeah, no, it's really, and you know that they must have spent a long time working on the shape of the stain. It
7: was so efficient that I actually remember the website yeah. for that product, like yeah. mytalkingstain.com. Yeah.
6: <laughs> and it's for Tide. That's the thing, is, and I hate to say this, but a lot of times, don't you, especially now, don't you feel like we are just awash? We are up to our neck in funny commercials these days but most of them like you don't remember who they're for I, there are commercials in every medium radio television whatever where you ask hey, it's a funny spot I don't know who's it for I don't know I don't remember but it's funny though uh, that tide spot I saw that and that and you know what here's the other great thing about that tide spot um, is that it really does hit home in terms of like it, 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 I mean you can identify with everybody's had the, the stain that you felt was just like everybody was staring at it as you walked through the day. I am always doing that. Coming to work, spill a little coffee on something, and then for the whole day, you assume that everybody's just locking right onto it. So that Tide commercial is really, really good. It's very funny. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a, a good one. Definitely yeah. make that uh, one of your uh, show enders or whatever. Yes. You. Hey, uh, uh, I had a, a comment on your deodorant, uh, issue. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right about, uh, uh, the strong scents being used obviously to cover something up. And there are definite, yeah, I, I'll
6: Don't be you aware. feel like scented deodorant is for people who don't want to stop the bandit, you know, the perspiration? They just have it bathed.
3: Well, there are certain, uh,
9: uh, nationalities. What about the uh, French? Wait, wait, what hold, particular? hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, now, God. I'm going to
6: give you a few seconds to think about whether you want to go forward with this. You just. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> it's one of those days. Something in the air. <laughs> Started with Madonna crapping and... Alright, now, sir? Yeah. Do you still want to make this observation?
9: Uh, you know what? I'm going sh- I'm to. I'm going to. Uh, step over onto a different track with it. I'll okay. make the same uh I I reminded of this uh this little uh, bit that David Tell did uh a few years back. He goes, I think he called it uh finding the smell." And he said, "You ever walk into someone's, you know, apartment and you smell something and you know that someone just dropped a steamer, you know, in the uh, in the bathroom, steamer. But, <laughs> but but they tried to cover it, you know, they, you know, uh dropped a uh, a Richie. Uh, and uh, and so everything smells, but they've just sprayed, you know, like lemon-scented air freshener in the room. Yes. So now, but now you only have a uh, a scent of, of lemon and ass, and nothing beats ass.
6: <laughs> That's true. Ass does win every scent face-off. You're really right about that. <laughs>
9: That's it. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm out.
8: Thanks.
7: That was the same thing. Last night I was at the Super Bowl party, and somebody had obviously used the facilities, but they had this um – the orange spray and it just smelled yeah. so awful. Well, no, no, it was hot, and it was like hot and orange. It's and...
6: always hot too. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that that when someone uses the bathroom for that uh, that function,
7: it's always very warm. You
6: go to the bathroom, and the bathroom's always like eighty-five degrees. You're like, you know, somebody goes in and just does a number one. The bathroom temperature remains. It,
7: we're having toilet seriously, right but now. what is that about? I don't know. It was really gross. Someone
6: though. does a number two, and the bathroom temperature goes up by twelve degrees. No, I don't want to think about that. But I'm yeah, just saying. I'll move forward. And then they always do that. I'm going to spray this Glade potpourri into the toilet. Now no one like knows. Punch in the
7: face with this orange smell. Ugh.
8: This is just a problem we can't solve here.
6: No, it's true. I will accept to make this observation that I thought it was known that you didn't do that at a party. You oh. went before, or if you had to, you you left and went to the 7-Eleven or something. I I didn't. I mean, who does that at a party? At a mixer, as they used to say. All right. Here's Tim Riley.
8: More commercials. <laughs> okay, we're almost done, and then I'll. I'll no, ju- I can do this, this all day. Just, I'll just staple this and put it <laughs> away. Number four, Toyota uh, Toyota promotes the Cor- Corolla's uh, quiet cabin with a spot that features ferocious animals.
10: The Corolla's cabin is so quiet, we blocked our friend inside with ferocious sleeping badgers. If awakened, they'll gnaw his face
6: off. <laughs>
11: The more refined Corona.
13: Live the dream for less coin.
8: One more. Huntin's James Carvel and Bill Frist take part in a classic childhood game while debating politics on this Coke commercial.
12: Gentlemen, surely the point oh, is that on. Democrats the have been back. spreading this far left Republican agenda of the They're just, just plain wrong. wrong. Jinx, buy me
5: a Coke. Right now, no talking. Jinx rule. Jinx rules.
6: I don't understand what's happening in that spot. I I missed that one. So I don't really know what's going on there. It doesn't matter. Let's move on
8: to the entertainment part of the program.
6: Okay. Uh, Except to say, did anybody see that, uh, the the Godfather one, where it wasn't the horse's head, the guy wakes up in bed with, like, the grill of a car? Yeah. It's kind of disturbing. I forget what it, I forget who it was even an ad for. It
7: was like for an the Audi, new Audi or something. Yeah.
6: yeah, but it was kind of a disturbing commercial actually. I found it sort of unsettling to be honest. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley with uh, some entertainment.
8: So from the big game, uh, we're going to play Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, as, as you heard the mu- music a million times. So let's move along to Jordan Sparks singing the Mash Anthem at the start of Super Bowl number forty-two. Oh,
7: say,
8: can you That's not live.
7: It's totally lip-synced, and I'm like, really? You're trying to
8: pass the off? Early yep, that's the national anthem. If you're gonna right.
7: sing the Super Bowl, sing the Super Bowl. Like, don't sing over a tape.
8: Yep, yep. Don't do it again. <laughs> Alicia Keys performed a medley of her hits, uh, wrapping it up with "No One." Wait, hold on.
6: Who here can name more than one Alicia Keys hit? I can't think of one.
8: I can. That me, falling one. Me
6: either. Actually, I was gonna say I can't even think of one, but I was trying to bluff.
8: Well, this medley of hits uh, lasts 24.3 seconds.
6: Do we know the song? No. Okay.
7: Oh, I just don't yeah. want to be old
6: alone here. Yeah, I, don't
7: know I this didn't song. think she
8: sang that. Isn't it the same song? No no
6: no Who is a big Alicia Keys fan? I mean, now
7: nobody. I was misled.
8: I was told this was a medley of her hit.
6: (laughs) It's a medley of her hit.
7: She was wearing a really bad outfit too.
6: (laughs) (laughs) She's like Ricky Martin, and now a collection of my greatest hit. Um, I just don't know anybody that's you know. Okay, I will tell you this. You know who's a? I will guarantee you know who is a big fan of Alicia Keys. I mean, no, no, no. I'm just seeing. I'm saying uh, in terms of a demographic. Um. Uh, youngish white girls who dream of growing up to be R&B singers. That's who loves Alicia Keys. It's uh, It's not even singers in general. It's like 22-year-old uh, white would-be R&B singers. They love Alicia Keys. It's like how there's certain kinds of guitar players that really only other guitar players love. You know, no, dude, you got to listen to more M.V. Malmsteen. No. No, I don't. Not now or ever. All right, here's Tim Riley. Do we have more entertainment selections? We do. Hooray.
8: Paula Abdul will sing her tune "Dance Like There's No Tomorrow" prior to Super Bowl 42.
6: It's funny. We watched this Paula Abdul clip during the break, and I had already forgotten about all of. I forgot about her and the song. Corporate pop. It's just so uninteresting. Could be anybody. All I
7: want to do is dance. Oh.
6: Sarah nailed it too when it said it was like it was like some mom who lives on your block getting up on stage and trying to shake it on a Friday night because she got drunk at a bachelorette party.
7: And I'm slightly obsessed with the little hat. And she's wearing a tiny little hat. I'm like, it tilted off to the side. I don't even know how she got... It looks like she, she's
6: wrapped in black studio curtains. You can't even see her. <laughs> well, I think we all know why.
7: And she's wearing those icky, like, these like these pleather gloves. <laughs>
6: there's no... There's she no stretching... Little- or orkin grinder monkeys hat <laughs> there's no there's no stretching you out when you're live on stage and you're right she totally has like one of the little italian hats that you, exactly like popped s- like a little jaunty like too small hat that like a pencil fin mustache having would wear. She holding to... a little
8: metal cup to hold <laughs> out so somebody could, could put a few coins in her that she <laughs> <the> stage. You <laughs> so see
6: how
7: her bangs covered like almost her entire face oh yeah you know?
8: well and then as you noted the female
6: backup singers are all wearing shoulder pads always a good fashion choice and then Randy Jackson inexplicably. Well, there's not a thing. There's him, and then there's another guy on guitar. I hear no guitar in the song. Incidentally, first of all, she's clearly lip-syncing. Second of all, there's no guitar in the song. And thirdly,
7: and there are like three guitarists on stage.
6: And you did note that Randy Jackson is simply wearing a shirt that says "Rock" in big letters with like little tiny skulls on it, and he's like. And he's kind of, you can tell he's oh feeling God. it because he's sort of like squinting and kind of going, and he's and smiling, of... like, and he grew like a little soul
7: <laughs> patch, and then he has these horrible sideburns. Yeah. And he's wearing like, you know, edgy denim jeans that are faded in just the right way. <laughs>
8: that was, that's like there's no tomorrow okay. from Paula Abdul.
6: Oh. Sing like there's no audience for your music. <laughs>
8: Thing like there is no tomorrow. <laughs> Willie Nelson and Sarah Evans saying Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys during the pregame. Wait, who sure. sang this? Willie Nelson and Sarah okay, Evans. Okay, I like Sarah Evans quite a lot, actually, so. Okay. Well, let's, let's see how this sounds. I
11: don't let your babies grow up I
6: mean, Why? I mean, I like Willie Nelson. I like Sarah Evans. Not, the Cowboys are, neither of the teams in this game were the Cowboys. Where did this, where did this game take place? Where was this played? The Super Bowl. Packy somewhere? Sarah, do you know? God, we're so lame. I don't even know where the Super no. Bowl was played. Hey, Richie? Oh, Philadelphia, there, uh, maybe? Was it Philadelphia? Richie, where was the Super Bowl played? In what city?
8: Nobody knows. No. It's well, us over with anyway. It's one of
6: those things. Uh, St-
7: that, isn't it in St. Louis, Missouri? It
6: can't be known. Uh, I, don't, it's, I don't Why know. are you asking me? Why would be in St. Louis, Missouri? I don't know. Phoenix. Is it Phoenix? It was in Phoenix. Richard just told me. Phoenix, oh. Arizona. I don't
7: know why I would think St. Louis. So why, why would... was
6: it played in Phoenix? So why would you have Willie Nelson singing Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys before a game featuring a team from New York and a team from New England being played in Arizona? That is strange. It just doesn't make any sense. It really it really again, it was like that uh, it was like that Bridgestone Tires commercial where it's like, a, who can we get?" And then we'll just sort of cram it in and make it fit somehow. Or, or they might have just reached the point where they are trying to capture every single possible demographic at once uh, and it, it, it started a few years ago when they did that thing where they had Aerosmith Smith and Britney Spears and Justin timberlake and uh, Nellie. Like, all doing the halftime show at once, which just made no sense. Like, it caused cerebral collapse, like even trying to understand it. But that must be what they're trying to do now, where they just do this, instead of niche casting, just so there's this narrow, ca- or uh, this broadcasting, where they're trying to get every single person in every demo.
8: Because I think they said this was the watch- most watched Super Bowl in history. Yes. So We said that to open up the program. Yes. I was here. The rapper 50 Cent reportedly brought uh, socialite Paris Hilton to tears during a pre-Super Bowl party in Arizona. By beating her? Please tell me it was by beating her. The incident took place after Hilton apparently tried to get up on stage to dance <laughs> after 50 uh, named checked her during the performance. As the hotel heiress began to make her way onto the stage, witnesses say the rapper gruffly told her to get off stage using an expletive to make his point. Hilton was reduced to tears following 50s on first. Hilton and Arizona Colonel quarterback Matt Lenart were co-hosts with a celebrity beach bowl for 944 Magazine. What is 944 Magazine? I don't know. Anyway, they were
6: hosting it. I'm I'm still back and trying to figure out what expletive he used to refer to Paris Hilton.
8: It doesn't say. It
6: must have been bitch. Must Probably. have been. Does anybody know? Do you know what he said, no, Sarah? Wasn't. No. All right. I no, it's not a story, though. No. All right.
8: So that's that. There you go. Uh, Americans hope they can get the perfect smile cheaply for Mexican dental clinics. And why wouldn't they? My
6: friend got his teeth done in Mexico. <laughs> My brother got a, got a root canal done in Mexico.
8: Yes, thousands of Americans are flocking to Suedan, Juarez, Mexico for cheap dental treatment. I want you to chew on this rag. Uh, U.S. dental uh, treatment costs four times than that in Mexico. I, I guess that would be about right. Uninsured Americans are having trouble getting treatment for abscessed teeth or pay for dentures. In the United States, the dental con costs about $600 per tooth. Uh, no, it costs close to $1,000. That is wrong. I have to Compared
6: tell you.
8: Compared to $190 in Mexico. I
6: cannot. Uh, well, you go to the dentist all the time. Tim, I you, me, every
8: four months, I'm going to get in this week.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're kind of, don't get me wrong, I don't mean this badly. You're sort of freakish about that. I, I mean, really am. No, I mean, which is fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I try to take good care of my teeth. Your uh, teeth the best friend you have. Uh, but I, I will say that you go to the dentist more than anybody I've ever met in I my go to the life.
8: The dentist, like you find little white specks on things. Yeah, <laughs> you, you find <laughs> the, little the black dentist, dots on your teeth. The, the dentist is my little speck. <laughs> 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 I don't know what that means. Who's <laughs> my little speck?
6: Um, I just man, good teeth more so than most people. No, 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 it's fine. I can, I and I really do. But I have to say that Sarah, when's the last time you went to the dentist?
7: I don't even remember. Oh, I think it was when my friend chipped my teeth on the forty. <laughs>
6: You're all class, Sarah Dillon. Amen. Um I do not remember the last time I went to the dentist. It has been so many years.
7: Yeah, it's been like a couple of years, I think.
6: Oh, no, it's been many, many years since I went to the dentist. Um, but I do have to tell you, it's funny this story comes up, actually, because about Mexican dental work, because this week I am making an appointment to go in to have my teeth looked at for the first – and it's one of those things where, like, I'm sort of wanting it to be over, but at the same time I'm just terrified of what they're going to find. Like, I'm going to open up my mouth, and they're going to do it. All
4: right, um uh shadows on e5 k4
6: I am sorry check the two shadows on e f- on on k4 um p9 and uh yeah the whole uh, the whole right side's just going to have to be pulled and uh okay now put on this blood apron and you know I, just, I I I am just so terrified that I'm they're going to tell me like all and and, and they're going and I will be the one in a billion uh, like like here's the other thing i i live in fear of being that one in a million case that is so bad that they have to take photos of you to like use to show it like a next, like another dental seminar that they go to like you know like before we knock all these teeth out can we uh can we get a couple uh, a couple shots of your whole upper plate yeah this is pretty amazing i'm i have a, a conference coming up next year people would love to see what your mouth looked like
8: so i just i'm i have a new experimental uh porcelain crown i'm Going away from the gold crowns and getting into the porcelain. No, wait, that, they're putting that in this week, or you already have it? I already have one. The porcelain I... like a toilet? Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how you want to think about it. We're going to put it Imagine a little toilet in your mouth, Tim Riley. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have. I'm sorry, Tim. Porcelain like Corningware? <laughs> I'm sorry for going right to the toilet. I would imagine that if you ask most people to do word association I with. I can see you with, asking the dentist question. <laughs> when, when you're a choice, you want a go or a
8: porcelain.
6: Go like a toilet? I, I think if you did word association with most people and said porcelain, most people think toilet.
8: I prefer mine to be from a urinal.
6: <laughs> Armitage Shanks presents Your New Mouth. <laughs>
8: Now you just made me think
6: that I have a toilet in my
11: mouth.
6: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm glad I could help. Now I'm going gonna... to bra- go brush extra hard. Now I'm not going to gargle with tidy Ball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everything in your mouth just has, a, has
8: a light blue sheen to it. Aspiring Mexican dentists. Aspiring. Me, not even real a- dentists. Don't, aspiring. Don't ask me how they start listing these people. Aspiring Mexican dentists <laughs> have moved to <the> border <laughs> cities to lure Americans down. Because Americans have been going to Hungary for some reason. And well, I know about Thailand, too. Who would go to Thailand to get their teeth My fixed? My handyman does. Really? Yeah. I'm so terrified to go to Thailand because don't you feel like Thailand? Well,
6: no. I'm just thinking, like, every time I see Thailand in a movie, it's about an American who is accidentally arrested for drug running and then they put him in a prison and beat the soles of his feet for six months.
8: But I love Pad Thai, so it shouldn't be too bad. Okay.
6: Just end up showering with Randy Quaid. Um so, so Mexican dentists. Yeah. So Americans are going to Mexico to get You're the their teeth The epidemic. Done. Well, you know, my brother, though—all kidding aside—he did get a root canal done in Mexico, and he wrote a whole, um, a whole essay about it, and it was terrifying, talking about sitting back in the chair and looking up and. The ceiling like dripping into a pan on the floor oh. hearing hearing the scurries of, of you know small creatures on the floor that he couldn't turn his head to see he didn't know that they were rats there was just something crawling around on the floor while he was oh. getting his mouth done
7: my friend got an entire set of veneers uh done
6: like the in big, big chocolate veneer
7: yeah he he got his teeth completely fixed and it was bizarre cuz i saw him over christmas and i had no idea and that he, he had a huge
6: it. Stephen kojakaro teeth
7: huge shiny white teeth, but he got them all done there for like 2000 bucks i think
8: huge richy rich teeth so there are a few dentists on 82nd just like that. I remember back in the old days before I had dental insurance. Is it safe? There, there was water dripping from a light fixture into my eye while I was getting my teeth cleaned. Not just from the ceiling, out of the light fixture. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, less for so for you. It's 82nd Avenue our dentist. Jesus. Day. And
6: so, okay. So let me ask you this, Tim. Yes. So because I am, uh, I, I don't know that the appointment is going to be this week, but I'm calling this week to go in. And I said it's just so terrible because it's like picking up a rock—you just don't know what's going to be underneath there. I mean, I haven't gone to the dentist, and I, you know what? I, I don't floss. That's the one thing I don't do. No, that's bad. I know, I know, You're I don't. You're going to get floss.
8: a lecture. I know. I you don't just think you think about your teeth 24 hours a day, every minute of now, the day.
6: Can I tell you uh, that one of the people who does some of the promotions, one of the street teamers for AM 970, also works as a dental hygienist. And every time that she and I are working together on something, I get the whole, well, have you started flossing yet? And I say no. And then I get some horror story about a guy who came in and whose, like, whole mouth was caving in. And, you know, his whole whole upper plate had turned into a pile of mush.
8: That's weird because my dental hygienist works on the street team at Clear Channel. Really? Yeah. So there's more than one. So this dental
6: hygienist works on the street team here. Your dental hygienist works on the street team for Clear Channel. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder if that's a thing like in the street team culture. It's like whispered, no, 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 you really need to be a dental on chest. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, so I don't, I, I, I brush and I use the, whatever, the Listerine. Uh, I don't, uh, and the Listerine is a little freaky because it always leaves your mouth with a burning sensation.
8: Then you definitely have more wrong than you think. Oh. Really?
6: Yeah. Oh. Is it not supposed to burn? No. It's supposed to taste refreshing. Well, no, It's refreshing.
8: But Wait, just refreshing burn, like burn? you imagine like no. you imagine
6: gasoline might be. No, no, there there's something else going on there. Well <laughs> not to scare you. <laughs> no, of course not. That's exactly what I want to be told about my teeth. Like days before I've even made the appointment. No, 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 there's something going wrong with your mouth. Jesus. So yeah, I have no idea. I just know I'm gonna like I know that I'm gonna lean back, I'm gonna open my mouth, and he's gonna look and he's gonna go Oh. Um yeah, can you call work? I mean, you're, yeah, it's going to be weeks. You're uh can you is You're not
8: you're not driving, are you?
6: <laughs> you don't have to use your mouth for work, do you? Do you can you just I mean, at your job, do you have to you don't have to talk to anybody? Like you could just work in an office all day, right? You know, that's I did I'm so that just makes me almost not even want to go in. Like it makes me just want to like let my mouth just go septic, you know what I mean? All right. Well, I'll I'll be Oh, my question though was, mm-hmm. do I have to ask uh, if something has to be done, which it almost most assuredly will, do I have to ask for the gas? Yes, you do, because okay. it's extra. They won't? Okay. Well, they, but now, they, will the insurance pay for that? No.
8: Insurance won't pay for gas? No. They used to. They don't anymore. Well, mm. What kind of crap is that? Why not? Well, it's American insurance. You get nothing. It's true.
6: That's the thing that angers me, by the way. Mm. is stupid. I mean, I've made this observation before. But the, the, the people who were bitching about how national health care would somehow be slow and inefficient. It's slow and inefficient now, and I'm paying for it.
8: So uh, try not to get too much gas, though, because I, I remember uh, I a be... long time ago, I, I walked five miles laughing all the way back in St. John's, <laughs> which was a very dangerous thing well, for me to be doing. I
6: was, but you probably fit right in with the, the number of people Battling on the street myself St. Laughing, St. John's talking <laughs> and laughing out loud, responding to stimuli only you can hear
8: it <laughs> was fun though <laughs> <laughs> walking
6: along Jesus rabbits Jesus rabbits
8: without a care in the world
6: <laughs> <laughs> well then you are almost uh, certainly unlike everybody else in St. John's yes uh, hi hello you're on the Rick Emerson show sir or madam is the case maybe
12: it, that would be madam oh hello Kristen how are miss, you hi. whatever what's up hi well it it hardly seems relevant anymore but I was calling about the deodorant thing
6: of course you were what's up she,
12: <laughs> Well, just to put it out there, I am one of the few women who also enjoys trying to find something that's unscented. It's just because it, it, it's
6: just always it's
12: possible Women, yeah. they don't make, like, unscented, there's a couple of them, like, I think Ban has unscented, but whenever I try and find unscented deodorant, it, I can never find it.
6: No, at least for guys, though, they, they do make a wide variety of unscented things.
12: They do, but, you know, I don't want, really want to buy cold-spice unscented for women, well, guys. Yeah, know? but,
6: I mean, if it's unscented, what what difference is it? Made? Maybe it's a lady all-spice. Well, class. that's
12: why, let me, a little something about me. I buy Mitchum. The N- men's Mitchum.
6: Mitchum? Like, I as in know. Robert Mitchum?
12: <laughs> I am a woman who sweats, like that other guy was saying, certain ethnic know. groups. You don't, I don't know. You
6: don't sweat, you glisten.
12: I glisten, it's yes. true. Right. But that glistening can stink pretty quickly. So, you <laughs> know, you get the good stuff, <laughs> Wonderful. and you're good.
6: All right, excellent. Thank you.
12: No, no, thank you. No, thank
6: you. All right, we have to break here in a second. By the way, even though he decided not to pursue that line of observation, were we all wondering what the guy was going to say when he started saying, "Well, Rick, certain ethnic groups had we, in, in our head. Did we all sort of like, like play that out to see, in, you know, mentally, like to see what he might have been saying?" That yeah. happened a long time ago. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right, uh, we should take a break. Back now. See now, I just now my teeth have just developed this weird psychosomatic ache. You need a toilet in your mouth. <laughs> Well, okay. You'll find myself a yellow hanky. Back after this. somebody sent me the best side, now I can't find it. It was a, uh, it wasn't text, it was audio, it was a complete list of all of George Bush's, like, Bushisms. You know, like, put. we gotta learn to put food on your family, all of that.
7: Oh, like one of like, the old soundboards. boards that it we had? It was
6: like, it wasn't a soundboard, but it was like that. I mean, each one was sort of a link, you clicked and then the thing popped up and played, but it was a complete list. Of all of the known audio of George Bush mangling the English language, and I mean, it's not like he's gone tomorrow, but I mean, we are, we are getting closer to that time, and we won't have George W. Bush to kick around anymore. And I've been, and we kind of, as a culture, just overdosed on those so much that I think for a while, like we sort of quit playing them. But this was, this was a compreh. I thought it was at answers.com, but it's not. I don't even know where it went. It was, it, um, pardon me, it was a comprehensive list, though. Of all of the little bits of audio of George Bush saying uh, retarded things. So, uh, i have to find it again. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, you can find that and send that to me.
8: I, I saved like tens of CDs of that early in the show.
6: Yeah, no, we have. In the a- early years. Yeah, we have some of it, and then there's been stuff like since then. Uh, so, well, in any event. Uh, by the way, just before we do anything else, a uh, couple of brief emails here. Let's see here. Uh, let's see, I've got a geography question. Or I've got a question about socks. Which do you want to hear? Well, they're equally interesting. Sarah? Socks. All right, here we go. Do
7: uh, you go already pulled out the socks when you knew I was going to I gonna knew you socks. were going
6: to say socks. Uh, so this one is time-sensitive, though. Uh, so I'm glad you picked this. Subject line. Help. Rick? This is something, this is a question that only our audience can answer. Only our audience <laughs> can answer. Rick, it's totally off subject, but my roommate and I need answers to a stupid yet relevant dilemma. Boy, how many times have we heard that on the program? Mm -hmm. Uh, When washing socks, my mother always told me to turn them right side out before throwing them in the washing machine. But my roommate threw down the gauntlet today and said, no, no, no. You turn socks inside out because that's where all the sweat and germs are. He's got a point. I need to wash my socks today. I need answers so I can move on with my life. Only your show can help me. Mike. Really? Right here. Reading it right off the page. Wants to know if there's a discernible reason or, this, you know, a difference between washing your socks right side. You know, I, I read this this morning, and it didn't seem nearly so stupid. <laughs> I read it this morning pre-caffeine, and I was like, well, that's really interesting. Wow,
7: I don't know. Do you realize that all the clothes are in there together being saturated by the water and the detergent, and it probably doesn't matter either way. I
8: guess it doesn't really matter. No. Tim, does it matter if you turn your socks inside out while washing? No, because they soak in the water. The water doesn't stay outside of the yeah, sock. It's not like
7: the... Yeah, <laughs> Let me ask you this. In the water any... cannot get inside the sock.
8: Let me ask you this.
7: little air pockets. <laughs> the sweat always stays there.
6: I have this question about twins and hair. <laughs> in any way, Tim, do you... <laughs> Tim is mocking me. And and the listener. I'm not. I'm just amused. I'm glad yes, I can amuse. some thought. Okay. <laughs> Is there any chance, just so we can get this off the table once and for all, so we, don't have to call in, so, so we don't have to call in scientists, is there any chance that if the socks were washed right side out, you know, like the way you wear them, that the germs could somehow be trapped inside the sock during the wash cycle?
8: No, the water carts away all the
6: germs. Like,
7: what do you think, how big do you think germs are? I don't how, how know.
8: How big is this germ and where did it come from?
7: Do <laughs> so you have, have like socks full of bundles of germs? It's a
6: Cloverfield sock. These creatures inside. Um, look, it's not my email. I didn't. I just read the email, and admittedly, this morning it seemed like a fair question. Oh, you uh, make it your email by
7: <laughs> reading it out loud. I guess
6: I've aligned myself with the emailer, haven't I? Well, inexplicably, or perhaps explicably, people are calling about this. So let's get a few of these, um, and. Uh, I, look, I I just read the <laughs> I just read the email, and now people are calling. Tim, do you want me to turn them away? No, not at all. These are things we should all know. It should be brought out in the open. <clears throat> I can tell when I'm being mocked, Mr. Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. What
0: do you got, sir? Well, if you, I just uh, was thinking about this, and uh, actually had to uh, solve this dilemma myself. If you, uh, it was a dilemma for you. In- Pardon me?
6: It was a dilemma for you.
0: Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Crushing. Um, If you turn your socks inside out before you wash them, then you get rid of all the lint and fuzz and stuff uh, that builds up, you know, when you're scraping your uh, toenails on, like, white socks and stuff. Yes. Get the little fuzzy balls in there. And uh, that helps you get rid of your fuzzy balls inside the socks.
6: You just wanted to say fuzzy balls inside the socks. Over and
7: over again. Say it again. (laughs) You really don't.
6: This really isn't a concern of yours. It was all just so you could talk about socks filled with fuzzy balls.
0: No, I assure you it was a secondary or tertiary benefit.
6: Let me ask you this. Do you pledge now in front of Jesus Almighty and everybody and George W. Bush that you are telling the truth and that you really did want to weigh in on the sock germ dilemma?
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, so, you know, it, it was something that uh, just uh, happened So let bottom and, uh, line
6: is here. So let's bottom line it. You say you wash the socks right side out.
0: Uh, inside out.
6: Inside out, because inside there out. are, quote, fuzzy balls created yes. inside by your apparently monstrous toenails.
7: Well,
0: we you could be what? politically correct and say uh, lint deposits.
7: That's really gross.
6: Okay. Do you? But what about? Let me ask you this. What about the the fuzzy buildup on the outside of the sock from rubbing against the inside of your shoe?
0: Well, uh, that would be uh, gotten rid of uh, by uh, getting it out of your shoe, or uh, before you remove your socks, you could uh, just uh, okay. you know run your uh, toes across the carpet or uh, uh, through your hands. So to you think you could
6: manually manually abrade the outside of the sock
8: against the rug, perhaps?
0: Correct.
6: All right. Thank you. You're welcome.
8: Right. There you go. Too much time is being wasted on this topic.
6: <laughs> well, look, I don't want it ever to be said that Rick Emerson neglected an email just because others laughed. Tim, let me tell you about another man who was laughed at. His name was Jesus Christ. Well, I thought you were going to say Hitler. <laughs> no, no one laughed at Hitler. Yes, Tim. Let me tell you about a hilarious individual named Adolf Hitler. We all chuckled at him. Why would I say Hitler? Hitler. I don't
8: know. No, Jesus. Jesus, not Hitler.
7: Why do people laugh at Jesus?
8: Are you going to go back to the mailbag again? (laughs) you want me to?
6: Okay. Next question. This is Rick's Science Corner with a K. Here we go. Here's another one. This is from Carly. Girls like science too, Tim. You're seriously... is, this about,
8: is this about nylon stockings, my chance.
6: No. Are you
7: seriously saying that that sock conversation we just had was scientific?
8: Well, after a fetch.
6: Why would you confuse Hitler and Jesus? That doesn't make any sense at all. And I want it's... you to describe me when people are laughing at Jesus. And it's really ironic on like four different levels. Um, what?
7: Why would people be laughing at Jesus?
6: Because he wore a funny robe.
7: Didn't they all wear funny robes?
6: Yeah, I guess. While watching House last night, I thought of a question the audience could perhaps answer. If you are at the South Pole, is every direction north? Admit that you've never thought about that until just now, Sarah, and you're not really sure what the answer is. If you are standing at the South Pole... I don't
7: think all directions cease to exist if you're in the South Pole. Okay, let me ask you. Why
6: on earth would any of us be standing at the South Pole? I'm just saying, if you're at the South Pole, what direction would not be north? Well, north would be north of where you are. But I'm saying, would there be an east or west if you were standing at the South Pole? Yes. Well, how would would, you... Why would there not be? Because, like, every direction... Okay, listen to this. She says, if you're at the South Pole, is every direction north? There is no further south, right? And everywhere you go is toward the North Pole. My husband had no idea, and I could tell he wouldn't really want me to shut up so we could finish watching the show. So I decided to ask you instead. Yes, because we have nothing better to do. So there you go. If you are at the South Pole, is every direction north? Our call-in numbers today are 503 733 970-503-733-2970 We'll return to Rick Emerson's Science Corner in just a moment And now, from the Ministry of Truth This is Tim Riley
8: It looks like Amy Winehouse is heading to the Grammys According to Us Magazine, the rehab vocalist Briefly left her stint in rehab this morning in London To go to the U.S. Embassy so she can renew her visa Winehouse's rep would only say that the report is true. 24-year-old Winehouse is currently up for six Grammy Awards and is scheduled to perform at this event uh, Sunday Night Live on CBS. There are rumors that her visa travel might not get approved due to her widely reported drug use. She had to rehab late January after Britain's The Sun posted a video on its website that allegedly showed her at her London flat, claiming to have taken six of Valium before lighting up some sort of...
6: Yeah, I don't know that the it's widely reported so much as it is filmed and then distributed on the Internet drug use.
8: So, yes. Yeah. So that's that. About uh, 200 sterling silver baby teethers have been recalled because children can choke. Oh, actual baby teethers. I thought you
6: were using sort of like a knee biter. No. So, oh, a
7: teething ring?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you said you said baby teethers, I thought it was sort of like like when he calls, uh, when what's his name called, Arthur Dent, a complete knee biter.
8: No. All right. And these aren't even made in China. They're made in Mexico. They're, uh, let's see, heart and car sterling silver teethers. They're sold at they wanted Independent uh, Clothing Boutiques. Uh, they're either in a circle or have a car or heart-shaped piece in the center. Children can choke on these. Well, wouldn't that stand a reason if you put them in their mouth anyway? <laughs> I suppose. Isn't that the the nature of the teether?
6: Yes, yes, it is. I would think so. Why do it? they? Oh, never mind. I don't care. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
8: Hello. Maybe somebody's turning their socks inside out. It is you.
7: I don't think there's anyone there.
6: For the love of Jehovah. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hi. Hi. And Hillary Clinton, not crying, is uh, reminds me... Wait,
6: hold on. Let me, let's stop here. Are you calling about the South Pole question?
9: Not
4: at all. Okay, before, no clue.
6: Okay, before you can answer... Uh, before you can talk about Hillary Clinton, you have to at least guess. If you are standing at the South Pole, is every direction north?
9: What? I would imagine, yes.
6: Alright, there you go. What do you have to say about Hillary Clinton?
9: Oh, uh you mentioned how she has no ability to cry and there's probably nothing in there but sawdust and such.
6: Sawdust and uh and death, yes.
9: Yes. And it remind me of uh did you ever see the movie Hellboy?
6: Uh l- l- it's sort of vaguely on HBO late one night.
9: Oh well, there's the um uh Nazi assassin. <laughs> and that Nazi Assassin that uh Wait, hold
6: on, that sound is the sound I hear is that of a spy satellite targeting your home for surveillance. Yes.
9: <laughs>
6: was it a funny oh, no. Nazi? Was the was the Nazi really
9: hilarious? No, actually he he made Darth Darth Vader sounds and um, uh, had no heart. It was a mechanical heart that he twisted. To, uh, to Hillary to Clinton? Fly.
6: Oh no, in Hellboy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Wow. Somebody's been drinking. Seriously. You know what he sounded like just there? He sounded like that guy in the movie Talk Radio. Can who comes to the pair. St- you have the best show on the radio, Bear. <laughs> yeah.
3: You are the best thing on the radio.
6: Um hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
3: Hey. Hey. Hey uh, yeah, I've got the answer to your question.
6: Is this the sock question or the vexing south pole question, sir?
3: This this is the no, it's both actually. It's the question to your, it's the answer to your south pole question.
6: All right, so if you are standing at the south pole, is every direction north? discussed?
3: No, you're kind of nowhere. Here's what happens when you get to the south pole or within I think it's about a four-mile radius of the south pole. Okay. Any any compass you have just kind of goes insane, especially if it's an old-school like magne- magnetic-based one. The the polar the polar magnetic fields of the of the Earth essentially yes. don't really know what to tell. Um, uh, the compass just kind of reads all kinds of different signals. It goes haywire. So if you're at the south pole, every direction is kind of everywhere.
10: Well, okay, that but that's crazy. but
6: that's only according to the compass. There is still a direction that is north, ju- even if the compass can't accurately read it.
7: Well, Let me I go mean... What's the direction if the, the compass can't read it? That's what we gauge direction But that's with.
6: silly. That's like saying if your speedometer's malfunctioning, you're not really speeding. I mean, I'm saying the speed still exists even if your speedometer's off. So a direction down there still exists, even if the compass can't accurately show you what they are, right?
3: Uh, well, yeah, they they do exist, but well, okay. Imagine well, this: you're on the very, on words, the very point in, of the South Pole.
6: In other words, in other words, I guess what I'm saying is, let's assume for the moment that the magnetism didn't screw up the compass. Would every direction be north? Sure. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. It's it, it, that that's the the question I think is that she's getting to because the magnetism makes the compass so it doesn't work at all. Uh, yeah. But there is still a direction. It's just the compass can't tell you what it is.
10: You know, uh, with this
3: question, I'm kind of with the uh, the husband of the lady. Just shut up and start watching cows. <laughs> ah.
8: Thank you. Good answer, sir. Fine out. Yep. All Bye. right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, uh, there was an earthquake in Bremerton this morning. Uh-oh. Uh oh. A two point five. It hit about uh, five a.m. Roughly six miles west of Bremerton. So far, there are no reports of injury or damage. Well, it's a fish tail that'll likely go down as the one that didn't get away. I Minnesota so the couple pledged their love for every other hook, line, and sinker on a frozen lake over the weekend. On Saturday, surrounded by family and friends, uh, Sean and Cassandra Bebo dressed in winter gear and camouflage and Bebo. held their wedding on Lake Jane in the town of Lake Elmo. Uh, coming from hunting and fishing families on both sides, it was Cassandra's idea to hold the nuptials on ice So Sean will be less likely to forget the date. They also wore big winter boots and warm socks. Sexy. To prevent cold feet. As he kissed his new bride, Sean called Cassandra the new catch of his life. I don't think you want to
6: use a girl and catch in the same sentence. That usually is unpleasant.
8: A high school wrestling coach accused of biting a wrestler on the leg has agreed to resign rather than face criminal charges. Mike Marshall bit the Central Cambia High School wrestler at practice. Uh, the coach was wrestling with him and bit him on the leg, the upper thigh. As a matter of fact, it did cause bruising, uh, bruising but did not cause blood. The students, uh, who was not identified, did not want to prosecute and opted to drop the matter if he agreed to resign. Uh, the incident occurred when he was joking with one of the wrestlers. Certainly, it was poor judgment, and it cost him his job. A man who identified himself as a freelance photographer was arrested outside the Los Angeles home of Brad Pitt. A housekeeper called police after she saw a car blocking the actor's driveway. The bank got out of the car and asked, is this Brad Pitt's house? A 25-year-old reporter was arrested for investigation of trespassing and taken into custody on a, a private person's arrest. Neither Pitt nor his partner, Angelina Jolie, were home at the time. Who wants to take more calls about directions? Sure. Hi, Someone's
6: you're on the life. Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
3: Rick. Hi. What happened to critical thinking? North is toward your feet. South is toward your head. That makes
6: that doesn't that makes no sense.
3: What north is from your brain down to your feet. That's north. From your feet up to your brain, that's south.
6: Hold on, let's stop. Does any of us know what he's talking about?
3: You're standing upside on upside on the world.
6: What was your other point?
3: My other point is, if I got a liter of water, oh god, I got another liter of water. I had like a cup of salt. Liter. Uh-huh. Do I have more than a liter of water in one of them now?
6: No, you have is- a liter of water and some salt.
3: Yeah, but the salt dissolves right in. It like gets in between the molecules, right? Yes. Does the water level come up?
6: Is this really what our show is going to become?
3: No, it was bugging the hell out of me in the shower. <laughs> so is that salt water heavier now? Well, I,
6: oh, God. All right. First of all, I'm no scientist. And I know that's hard to believe given the last 15 minutes of discussion on here about socks and the North Pole and whatnot. Um, all right. I would say if you have a liter of water and a liter of. Uh, if you have two liters of water and you add a cup of salt, I would say my guess. The water level does not rise because the salt uh what do you call it dissolves you know That's that's what I'm thinking But it would almost have to be heavier because you have added uh you have added mass to the water it would almost have to be heavier probably by so little that you you couldn't really measure it uh, but it seems like it would almost have to be heavier
3: infinitesimal
6: Yes exactly that All right All right thank you
3: Thank you much Rick Bye now
6: I'm so sorry. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
8: Uh, remember that missing balloon guy? He was supposed to fly from from uh, Japan to Portland. He's still missing. Uh, let's see. He has a pod-like life wrap and enough food to keep him alive for at least three weeks, meaning the search could continue for at least that long. They found no uh, sign of the Japanese fellow. Let's cover every minute of the search, every mm-hmm. single day. Uh, he was attempting to get his hot air balloon 5,600 miles from Japan to Portland. His last known physician recorded Thursday was... 435 miles south of Edak Island. That's in Alaska. Large cargo planes are conducting aerial searches for the Air Force and the Coast Guard. And the cutter Jarvis should be on the scene tomorrow. A helicopter from the Alaska Air National Guard is also assisting. Who pays for all this stuff? I think we know the answer to that. Uh, He was one day into a scheduled 60-hour trip aboard the Starlight, a gigantic balloon, 15 stories high and 150 feet wide. He was hoping to become the first Japanese balloonist to cross the Pacific. That's never happened before. Apparently not. He had attempted uh, the feat once before, and apparently it uh, it didn't work out. Oh, he ran out of fuel and landed in the ocean. So he
6: has a bad track record with this sort of thing to begin with.
8: Yeah. Okay. And there aren't any other Japanese people trying to take him up on this, apparently. It's a race against no one. Right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson
3: Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey. First off, yes, if you're standing on the South Pole, the first step, <laughs> no matter what direction, will be north. See? Then... Then you can go any direction from there. But, yes, your first direction, no matter what, in relative position to the South Pole, will be north. Answer two to the multiple questions, if you take a cup of, of salt and add it to a liter of water, it will actually now take up more volume. It will be small now, but, yes, it will take more volume. If you want to test the theory, just take a cup full of ice and add water to it. You can't put a cup full of water in a cup full of, in a cup full of sugar. It will be less. Yes, it'll weigh more, but it'll also take up more space. Excellent. And then, now, thirdly, this is going back to the uh, ads. Did you actually go on to GoDaddy and see the, the Danica Patrick ad? Uh,
6: no. Now, is this the uh, is this the one that they wouldn't let them air? I know that GoDaddy has this, and GoDaddy, whose whole thing seems to be finding a woman with big cans and sticking her in front of the camera for sixty seconds, is yeah, this the cor- deal where it's like the the one that they weren't allowed to show?
3: Correct. And, and there's a very good reason why, and it has nothing to do with. Anything they show it is the double entendre they use in in, in the uh, in the ad. That do, they a, uh, do they show a
6: do they show a damn building creature of some kind?
3: Yes, they, they show two. Well, they show first they show a damn building creature, and then everybody is saying is oh look the damn building creature. Then Danica Patrick comes on, starts to undo her her blouse or her jacket. Everybody asks where is the damn building creature. She looks at them all agog and says what. They all leave looking for the dam building creature, and then she says, "On GoDaddy, I can be exposed without exposing my dam, bearing, dam building creature."
6: It's hard to imagine why female athletes aren't sometimes taken seriously. Jesus, <laughs> you don't see anybody say, "Hey, Dale Earnhardt Jr., will you get on TV and take off your pants in a Pepsi commercial?"
4: Yeah. Jesus. All right. Thank you. Good. Bye now. All right.
8: So it's water and salt, and <laughs> water and salt, and on Danica. radio, the world's biggest classroom. <laughs>
6: Hey, who wants to hear an unnerving dental thing? I suppose. A friend of mine is a dentist, Rick. He told me that he has a whole lexicon of code words he uses when he communicates with the dental assistant. When something goes very wrong during a dental procedure, he can't say, you know, like, oh, crap. He says, that's interesting. That communicates the grave nature of the patient's circumstance. If you hear a bone cracking in your skull and the anesthetic eliminates the expected pain, but the non sequitur dentist verbal response follows instead... Bad, bad things are afoot. So there you go. So be listening for the phrase. That's interesting. The next time you're, I guess, I never really thought about that, but I guess that's true. If you're at the dentist and you're lying back and your mouth is open, and he's, you know, got a hydraulic n- drill jammed into your mouth, he can't probably go. Oh my God! Because then you're, what do you? You're immediately going to go, sit up and go what? And that's just going to, that's just going to end all kinds of badly. So he has to come up with some subtle way to convey to the people in the room that your your mouth is filled with decay and doom
8: stepping on a red pedal on the floor
6: exactly which puts up like lead shutters immediately calls the authorities all right uh rick your listeners are idiots all right thank you uh it's from ernesto
8: thank you ernesto here's tim riley well it's just been learned that britney's new lawyer adam streisand is related to barbara herself uh, he is Barbara's second cousin, although he says she uh, publicly doesn't speak, and she's a very private person. He's uh, quite willing to talk about his lineage. He was brought in by some other lawyers, and in particular by uh, Brittany's dad, Jamie, not to be confused with her granddad, June. The title of the next James Bond film has been confirmed. Oh, God, this is...
6: By the way, you're listening to KCMB Portland. Eat snacky Smart.
8: This is the, uh, the worst title
6: of any film ever. The quantum of silence. Quantum of, si- of solace, I think. Maybe.
7: What is it, the quantum of solace?
6: The Solus? quantum of solace, I believe, is the name of the new James that Bond a film. That is It's the worst. Who's gonna say, "Hey, dude, let's go see Quantum of Solace this weekend"? Doesn't Quantum of Solace sound like a progressive rock band that, oh, like, only that, like, only your stoned-out roommate and his two hipster friends would like?
8: I'll take a quantum of solace, please. <laughs> How much solace? Just a quantum. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, so it's coming out soon. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the title is taken from one of the series of short stories by James Bond creator Ian Fleming, who was published in 1960. That
6: doesn't change the fact that it's a terrible title.
8: Uh, producer uh, Michael Wilson said the upcoming movie will have, quote, twice as much action as 2006 Casino Royale, unquote, in which uh, Craig makes his debut as Bond. Yeah. The Quantum, uh, due in theaters this November, will star Olga as the Bond girl and Gemma Atherton as the special agent.
6: You know, I'm kind of past
8: James Bond. I, I realize now that I'm...
6: I think I'm
7: everybody just, is. Yeah,
6: I think that's just... James Bond is sort of the... Uh, he's sort of the uh, the intrigue world's Superman. Where I'm just sort of... I'm kind of finished with Bond. I And I, plus, I think with those Born Identity movies, I think that James Bond has really been beaten in his own game. I think he has been outbonded. bonded so uh,
8: Don't make any more.
6: No. I have uh, I have four different calls here to choose from. Somebody about snow levels, somebody about the Bridgestone Tire commercial, somebody about the South Pole, or somebody about cell phone companies. Sarah, you seem utterly disinterested in most of the last half hour. What should we talk about?
7: Oh, just pick one at random. Okay. I ah, are on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rickster, thank you. Don't I'm call me Rickster. All right, Rick. I Thank you. Uh,
4: okay, I have <laughs> interesting... I'm not, just saying <laughs> it, Dan. You're being a little snippy <laughs> about, uh <laughs> About uh, uh, cell phone companies who are selling <laughs> private cell phone numbers to telemarketers so you can now get calls on your cell phone while you're eating dinner. Uh All those who thought they could avoid it by just having cell phones... Are you reading this? Calls. No, I'm not. This is all okay. this is all out of my head. Okay. Uh so anyway, all cell phone companies except for Verizon have done this. I just have a happen to have an inside source who happens to work at a company. And I do have a no call number if anybody is interested. It is the it is the national no call list. Uh, I would like to read that over the phone, if I may. <laughs> Wait,
6: hold on a second. What is going on here? Doesn't this sound like a prepared speech, Tim? Is this it,
8: somebody's a PR firm calling? I was just, Are
4: you it, are you I, in the employee I, of Verizon? Swear to God, I am not. I've just been sitting on hold so long. I've I've had the time to play it out in my head.
6: No one wants to eat in an empty cafe, sir. <laughs> uh okay so you are saying this is and wait, now where did you hear uh, that cell phone companies are selling your number to telemarketers not like it's out of the question but where uh, did you hear from
4: them? a friend of mine who happened to work at Verizon
6: All right so Verizon claims that everybody but Verizon is doing something
4: bad <laughs> well let's think uh, on that for just a second yeah yeah understand me still but but if if you're worried about it and you do have Verizon you could always get your name on there anyway
6: how do I know that by calling this no-call number, I'm not just registering my cell phone number with a company that will, in, that will then, in fact, spam me with stuff?
4: Well, sir, you don't know that. You can only this is like when you get in the Rick Emerson listening audience.
6: This is like when you get a spam email, and they tell you to delete it and to never, ever, ever click like the don't send me anymore. Then all it does is tell them they've found a working email address, and then it's just penis pills left and right.
4: Well, yes. Uh, do, it's me possible. do me a favor. Uh,
6: uh-huh. e- email me the information, and okay. we'll, we'll look into it. And if it seems to be legit, we'll uh, we'll read it on the air so that people can avoid uh, being hassled by the man. I will do that. All right. Thank you, sir.
4: Thank you, sir. All right. You oh, can, and, uh, you can call me Rickster you, if you like. Question for you. Thanks, yeah. Rickster. How much does a liter of quantum weigh if you add a couple solace.
6: <laughs> a liter of quantum. It's like 15 jars of suck. All right. Thank you. <laughs> a liter of quantum is equal to 15 jars of suck. That's a scientific fact. All right. I'm in a fine mood that I don't think... I... Do I sound cranky? A little cranky. Do I sound more cranky or more just sort of ragged and like a little cranky. crazy? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Tim, would you agree that I sound cranky? I just kind of ignore the whole thing. It doesn't really matter to Excellent. me. I don't feel cranky.
8: No, you, you
7: sound No, I'm a... not meaning to not pay attention to your...
6: Bladder. ...ending
7: South Pole talk. Now, look... It's like it's, it seems like it's a question without an answer and then everyone calls them with a different... It had an answer. What was the answer?
6: The answer is if you are absolutely at the very pinnacle of the South Pole, like the center of the South Pole, you can take one step, uh, and that step will always be north, but then every step after that will actually be taking you in a north, south, east, or west direction.
8: Now I don't remember the original question. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) This is about changing your socks at the South Pole, was (laughs) it not? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, All right, here's what's coming up.
6: Uh, Is this Peter Carlin? Yeah, okay. Uh, So we got to... Oh, apparently not, because now the line is gone dead. Uh, we'll have Peter Carlin here in a few. Uh, later on this hour, uh, we're going to talk to, have you heard of Ignite Portland?
7: No, but I just got that email in my inbox.
6: It is, uh, what what email?
7: Um, booking the guest.
6: Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, this guy, uh Zackley. No, I have Zachary. no idea what it is. It's really cool, actually. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about it, not a whole lot, but we'll talk about it. Uh, it's happening uh, at the Baghdad Theater, at the Baghdad Theater uh, tomorrow uh tomorrow february for the Baghdad theater it's it's kind of cool actually it's like a, it's a film festival sort of but it's not really a film festival it's a um it's a series it's anybody can submit something to this and then they pick however many but the deal is people are allowed to get up and do a presentation on anything they want at all and it can either be five minutes or 20 slides and that's it that's the limit and so the, that That sounds
7: like it wouldn't get boring. No, you
6: can tell That's you, can, good. you yeah. can like there's one on why Germany I loves I going to
7: say 5 minutes or 20 minutes I'm like uh uh-huh. No, it's
6: 5 minutes or 20 slides. Uh like for example, uh, there's one on why, why Germany loves David Hasselhoff. Uh and then there's one on traditional sushi in the modern world. It's pr- kind of cool actually. It's sort of like attention deficit theater.
7: So do your slides do the slides have to also be under 5 minutes?
6: Uh what do you mean? No, it's like the thing. It's like at twenty min at twenty slides or five minutes, you're done. Okay. Like That's the thing. Your your whole presentation can't be any longer than than twenty slides, and it can be uh it can be no longer than five minutes. Okay. So it's kind of cool actually. So we're gonna to talk to him uh a little bit about that here Are in Are you going something? No, no, because it's happening tomorrow. Morning. Oh. I think that time has passed. I think that ship has sailed. That's true. Um, is this Peter Carlin, Richie Bristol? Because if so, we'll just take Peter, and then we'll break after that, and come back and and talk to uh. Hunt. And I swear to God, Susan and I labored under the illusion that Raven Zachary was a woman for, like, the longest, that we just sort of assumed. Like, I assumed Raven Zachary would be a woman in, like, a black trench coat with, like, a, a beret. Yes, apparently so. Apparently Raven Zachary is, in fact, a man.
7: Is Richie not in there?
6: You know, I don't know the answer to that. Let's pick up whoever this is on hold. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, it's Peter. Hi, is Richie not answering? Now he types on the screen. Hey, Peter's on the phone. Hey, Peter, how are you?
14: I'm well, how are you?
6: I'm dandy. Hey, here's the thing. I'm going to put you back on hold, and I'm going to bring you on with your sound effect that we've created for you. Oh, rocket! All right, hold on a second. I'm going to put you back on hold. All right, ladies and gentlemen.
11: <laughs>
6: Peter Carlin from the Oregonian.
14: Oh that's familiar. What is that?
6: Ah, uh, do you not know? Oh, I'll play it I played for do you. Know it. It's taking Hold. me back to the 70s. Hold on.
14: Oh, is that like the end of uh No. Oh. <laughs> what were you going to say the end of what? I thought it was like All right, I don't know. I know I've heard it like a a million times. <laughs>
6: I'm just gonna keep playing. Is that the you...
14: end, like the Bob Newhart theme or something?
6: That... No, no, I don't know what you're thinking. No, in in no way is that the end of anything relating to do with Bob Newhart. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just stumped. Are you? But you, but you know that you've heard it like five billion times. Yeah, no,
14: definitely on TV in the '70s.
6: All right, one more. <laughs>
14: The, 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 the drums and all that sound vaguely Hawaii Five-0-ish. But they
6: do. It does sort of have Kathy, that. The...
14: Maybe, it, maybe it's a cop show. Um... Well, lay it on me, brother.
6: You are, in fact, the TV guy. Do you feel a little sense of shame that you can't conjure up what this is?
14: No. I've got a lot of relief. Um,
6: just whatever. Are you tired of hearing it? Yeah, I really am. All
4: right.
6: Do you want me to wait until the end of the call to tell you or we'd like to just... Would you no, like I to want you now? to tell me right this minute. All right. This sound... <laughs> is... That is the sound that accompanies the CBS special presentation graphic. Oh. And remember, it was, and it was sort of like a kaleidoscope graphic that would rotate like 90 degrees as it came toward the camera. Okay, yeah, I got it. And it was never, the the presentation was never really all that special. It was basically just some crap made-for-TV movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so it would be like Love Bomber starring Gerald McRaney. Yeah. Uh, you know, and now, <laughs> CBS special presentation. Yeah, yeah. Tonight, um, you know, whatever. Tonight, Tentacles, The Killer Octopus. Um, which was, in fact, a CBS special movie event at one point in my youth. Or days.
14: go ask Alice.
6: Yeah, to- totally. It's exactly what it was. Um, so in any event, there you go. That's your new sounder. If you uh, if you're happy with it.
14: Yeah, whatever. You sort of wore it out with your 17 planes. Yeah. 18 planes. Well. I, mean, I think we got to move on now.
6: <laughs> all right. Excellent. Um, well, Jesus, man, we got like all of this catching up to do. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Super Bowl? Do you care about it at all? Is there anything you want to say about the big game?
14: Um, it's next week, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, what did I think? I don't know. I watched like, uh, or or watched a lot of like twelve hours of coverage, like literally, starting with the uh, Fox um, News, the Chris, what is his name, Chris Wallace show at six a.m. and uh, and 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 on through there, and it was overwhelming ultimately. Um, and the coverage itself. The game was terrific. The game was actually the highlight of the whole the whole day. Which it
6: almost never is. It's it almost never com- is. It's almost a. It's like a blowout every single time, except for yesterday. But
14: that was an ass-kicking football game. And I don't really like football anymore. And I watch one game a year, and it's always the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that was worth waiting for. That was a hell of a game.
6: Especially because you can tell that the Giants weren't really supposed to win. Like-
14: oh, totally. No, they were totally the underdogs, and I always root for the underdog. Especially if the overdog is like some kind of soulless, you know, sort of Mitt Romney style organization.
6: Well, as I, I was telling Sarah about this earlier, that I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a football fan, but the, the reason that it was so satisfying for me to see the Patriots lose is not because they had a streak going per se. But just because, as always happens in these events, suddenly 80% of the people in this country had overnight become, like, diehard long-time Patriots fans, Pats fans. Yeah. And it was so great just to see them get kicked right in the sack. It was really wonderful. It's America's yeah. team. No, I know. <laughs> and about every three years we get a different – I remember for the longest time it was the 49ers, like, for no reason.
14: I mean, well, because they win. You know, I mean, yeah. for the same reason why – The Cowboys thought. when they were winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You so. know, but – Right, screw Boy, you. But I, it's like I just prefer I always prefer the team, like this hard scrabble losers that kind of mistakenly get in. Yeah. And then they like and especially since, you know, the Patriots are all about this undefeated perfect season. Right. And it's just like, guess what? I don't think so. You <laughs> lost one game of all the games that you needed to win. So it's like now you're losers. You won eighteen or nineteen or however many games but and yet you're losers. So haha. <laughs> I know, I mean, I mean, anyways. No, that's fine. It's it's the same
6: thing that I've been saying all day. But there, let me so. tell you
14: what was underwhelming. Yes. It was thoroughly and completely Tom underwhelming. Petty. Thank you. Yeah. And not just because of that sort of just horrible beard that he, that he has.
6: <laughs> and he's sounding ever, ever more like Bob Dylan. I well, mean.
14: just like, but not, but Dylan at least has the courage to be totally weird. <laughs> Petty is just like, you know, kind of, and just like, could it have been more by rote? Could it have been like, more like computer generated it was just the, all the songs you expected to hear, to hear like cranked out in exactly the same way you hear them on the radio 37 times a day
6: I mean I, I was thinking about this we were talking about this at the beginning of the show and I really do love Tom Petty a lot um, but it, it just it, first of all it's it just the, as much as he is very quintessentially American in many ways just the wrong guy for the Super Bowl um, just, you know, because as I said that the, the Petty only really seems to have two modes, which is the sort of, sort of edgy sort of, you know, out, outlaw kind of rocker. And then he does have this sort of wist, wistful, like Americana solemnity to him sometimes. And I think the latter was sort of on display yesterday, which is why free fall. And I thought was the only song that really worked uh, like American girl when he was trying to be like this uptempo, like rave up. It just didn't, I think it's just impossible for a guy like Tom Petty to translate To to a stadium that size, it just doesn't work.
14: Oh, I don't know. I've seen him play stadiums before, and it's just sort of like... I mean, he's a good arena-slash-stadium dude because his songs are all like that, you know? It's like there's not a lot of... He's not dealing with, like, intricate textures, let's put it that way, you know? Subtle ideas. I mean, it's all very, you know... I mean, he's a rocker, you know, and he plays rock and roll songs, and and he writes good rock and roll songs. But it's just like... He was so denatured in this, you know. Plus, he
6: seemed stoned. Which he did well. Is. Yeah, I was just gonna say stoned and old. I mean, it, 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 true on both counts. I, I was, in many ways, and uh, it, it is not just because I'm such a big Kiss fan, but in many ways, a couple years ago when Kiss did that, where it was like just so big and stupid, and they had like a, 150 cheerleaders dressed up as Kiss, and you know, the fireworks. Oh,
14: they played the, play the Super Bowl.
6: Yeah. Oh my God! Two years ago, um, and it was and it was like all of their normal crap, like huge fireworks displays and like guitars floating off and exploding in the middle of the arena, and again, just like all of these girls, these cheerleaders dressed, doing like in face paint, doing like cheers to rock and roll all night. And in many ways, that is that was sort of the perfect thing because it's just big and it's big blocks of obvious dumb entertainment. Mm. And I think Petty, in many ways, just uh, I don't know. I have to tell you this though: as much as I love Tom Petty, I've seen him a couple times. And it, 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 it's always seemed low energy when I've seen him. And maybe I just catch him on bad nights or something. I, I don't know what it is. It, it, or maybe, you know, or, or maybe he is just not in the sort of rock mode at this point in his career. Maybe he does. Because in many ways, the songs that he's done that are, are sort of mellow and sort of very delicate and quiet, those are the ones that I think in, in some ways, you know, there's hold up better over time. I, huh. I don't know. Anyway. Hey, did you
14: see um, uh, uh, that U2 3D concert movie?
6: No, in no way would I ever pay money to see anything that projected the images of U2 onto a screen. You don't like U2? Uh, I don't. Uh, Here's the thing. Uh, I really respect U2 for being... like The thing about U2 to me is that if they weren't so full of crap, they wouldn't be so great and so terrible. Like, that's the thing. The thing that makes U2 sort of unpalatable to me Mm. is the same thing that makes them great, which is just their complete and utter shamelessness.
14: Oh see, see, I think we've had this conversation before, but this is where you and I, like, radically part company. Because I'm not a huge U2 fan, per se. Like, I've developed a much deeper appreciation for them in the last seven years or so. But um, I've seen them play live, and I saw this concert movie the other night or the other day, whatever it was. And, um, it's every, I mean, they are a great arena band. They are a, a fantastic arena band and their music lends itself to it. Bono's persona lends itself to that into the nth degree. And this was, I've seen a lot of concert movies over the years, um, this was like the most thrilling concert movie I have ever seen in my life.
6: I I will say uh, a couple things. First of all, Bono, and I've said this repeatedly over the years, he is in many ways sort of the ultimate rock star. I mean, he really does have it all down. But uh,
14: but the thing is, but it's not the kind of phony rock star thing where you can roll your uh, eyes. Like, I, I, I believe every word he says.
6: I, I believe that he believes it in the moment. I mean, I, I'll give you that.
14: No, I think he totally believes it. I think he's a real, I think he's, uh, I think, uh, you know, and the thing is, it's like his aesthetic and my aesthetic don't always line up. There's some things that they've done where it's like, you know, I just don't, I'm just not going there with him. You know, but 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 the thing is, man, when 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 you're in the room with him or watching this movie, he just like he's he's got that kind of Springsteen thing of just like when he's on stage, he is in the moment. Oh no,
10: I'll, I I, mean, and, I, mean, I will
6: absolutely like, grant you that.
14: Whereas I think Kiss is just like just by like, just prima facie phony. I mean, I think everything about them is phony, and I have zero patience with it because it's like. You know, everything, I feel like everything I need to know about Gene, just Gene Simmons is like, I heard him on, uh, when he was, uh, some interview or other, where he said, I never wanted to be in a rock and roll band. I wanted to be in a rock and roll brand. It's just like,
6: <laughs> great. I think you're, I think you're, I, from now on, every time he says anything, I think we should hire you to actually, like, to, to, to speak it aloud. Well, that's how he, you know, he's like, <laughs> It's just like. Um... Here's here's the thing about Bono. I will say this: that the, Bono is equal parts great and cringe-inducing. And again, I don't mean to make it sound like I, like I don't like U2. First of all, they've written some really beautiful songs. No one can take anything away from that. I remember the first time I heard. I worked at a rock station when Octung Baby" came out, and playing that song one, which you know it's just been played to death over the years. But I mean, it's he, one of the best things ever written, like ever. Mm-hmm. It, period, hands down, and th- that song "I Just Want You" is another one of those where it's like it just builds, and and you got the Edge, who is not necessarily like the world's most versatile guitar player, but who's taken the one sort of kind of thing he can do well, and has really turned it into this tower. Well, it's
14: hugely distinctive. I mean, yeah. it's like the thing that he does, and yeah. he does it incredibly but, well.
6: But it's like Bono ha- has those moments on stage where you kind of, where half of you kind of responds viscerally and goes, yeah! And then the other half of you kind of goes, oh, God, really? I don't, I, re- I don't cringe at all. I remember, look, I, I gotta tell you, that for, there's one classic and one more recent that sort of sum up that guy for me in, in, in a very real way, Bono. One was that moment in Rattle and Hum, where, well,
14: rattling hum. I mean, they went through their obnoxious period. But I'm, that was I'm, okay. That, that moment
6: was, that moment where he says of Helter Skelter, Charles Manson stole this song from the Beatles and we're stealing it back. I mean, he's great, but at the same time you've got to go, Oh God you know, because it's just it's it you. It's like he speaks in only rock and roll, visceral sound bites, you know. Which again, it's it's. I, I'm not trying to talk the guy. He's you know he's very good at what he does. But I remember watching that Super Bowl after 9/11, when U2 comes out, and. You know, they're playing whatever the song is, and then they're doing that thing behind them of, like, you know, scrolling the names of the victims and, you know, and all of that. But then there was that moment where Bono quite literally took off his jacket, I think, and, like, was, was, like, wrapping himself literally in the flag. Well... And, I mean, that is that is one of those things that only Bono or Bon Jovi could really do. You know what I mean? Like, those are the only two people who could do that where you would sort of go, well, it's awful, but it works, you know?
14: See, I would. You see, I would buy that from... Uh, you know, but I I feel like Bono and U T are so much uh, so superior as songwriters and 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 creative people than our buddy uh, John Bon Jovi. Oh yeah,
6: I'm, and I'm not even tra- you're talking in terms of songwriting. I'm just yeah. talking in terms of stage presence and persona. Yeah. Because but, because John Bon Jovi has that other thing where he is he he is like so corny in so many ways, but he is. He he suffers from, like, galloping true believer. You know what I mean?
14: Well, and I, I admire. I mean, and the thing is, as a, uh, you know, he, he always seems like a perfectly sensible, straightforward, and well-intentioned young man, Mr. <laughs> bon Jovi. You know, in, when, you, when you talk to him, when he's off the stage. But when he's on the stage, I just want to, it's just like, I can't look at him. I just have to leave the room. I just have no interest in him and his music. Whatsoever. I will say,
6: I'll say this. I could, with little to no difficulty... Uh, if it had been an original composition by you 2 I could, with almost no difficulty, picture Bono saying, I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all. No, no, he would never say that. Uh, but if he did, it would I could see that coming out of his mouth. But he would like never it's... write that, though.
14: <laughs> he would never, ever in a million years write that.
6: I know. I, I mean, I know he wouldn't, but I'm saying, like in some bizarro world... If he was singing that, my brain processes that image with no difficulty. Uh. That's all I'm saying. Um, hey, let's, uh, let's talk uh, about The Wire. Oh, yeah. God damn! Can I tell you how great that show is? The Wire is like some great movies. Think of the movies you've seen in your life that as soon as they were done, you wanted to go back and watch them again from the beginning instantly. Mm. Uh, I watched this movie, Juno, last night, which is very, very much like that. Um, oh, yeah. I really want to go see that. It's really good. There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis is like that. Um, Man, I watch The Wire, and I realize now that I do this every single week. I watch The Wire, and then I usually watch it again the next day, and mm. then I will watch it a third time before the week is out. And I know that you said you've you've had some problems with what you felt was this sort of ham-fisted characterization in this season. But
14: no, I, I didn't. Uh, I don't have. A lot of people have had problems, and a lot of journalists are really like up in there grill about because they feel like there are some aspects of the portrayal of the baltimore sun right and you know as as sort of an object lesson of what's wrong with journalism today that's out of step or wrong or caricatured. um i don't have as big a beef with that and there's a lot about what goes on at their portrayal of the baltimore sun which i think is totally right on
6: does it does it ring true all of that the sort of depressing depiction of the newspaper industry right now does it is that overstated in your opinion
14: um not as much as other I don't think it's as overstated as some people say it is, I think it's distressingly true to a great extent uh, i mean to say I mean I don't know, but um not to not to try to talk trash about where I actually work, but you know, but yeah no there are uh there's a lot of disconnection um and there's a i mean anyway but yeah
9: <laughs> okay um
6: uh, let's talk a couple things a couple more things about the wire first of all. Just, uh, just an amazing cast of characters. But that Marlo Stanfield, who manages to, without ever changing his facial expression or raising his voice, manages to be so utterly terrifying in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Just and in a different way than some of his crew are. Like everybody kind of focuses on that Felicia Pearson who plays Snoop, yeah, who is, I mean, who is just blood chilling in some way that I can't quantify. I mean, I just can't explain, and I don't think anybody has really explained why she is so terrifying. But she—would you agree that she is just, just, just uh, very, very unnerving?
14: She's like a shark. She has zero moral compass.
6: That's the thing. It's not. She's not even evil. There's just nothing there.
14: Yeah, right. Whereas Marlowe is evil. Yeah, well, I mean... she's just kind of like. She's cheerful and sweet and everything, except for the fact that she kills people for a living and seems to take great pleasure. Well, in then Jesus,
6: there was that moment where uh, 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 they had that guy tied up in a chair. Yeah. And they were going to give him as a present to the other guy to kill. Right. And they open the door, and Snoop is sitting there, like, with the gun on the guy who's tied him in the chair. And she makes that observation about, essentially, how, you know, he already soiled himself, and we haven't even started on him yet. Yeah, you know? And yeah, she yeah. just says it so. Like lackadaisically, or you know, just so uh, laconically, mm-hmm. and, and it just anyway. The, the show is really, but I have to tell you, and, and if anybody doesn't want to know what happens last night, you tune out for a few seconds because if, if you don't want to, if you haven't seen last night's episode, that the moment where that show this season has really just gone inside itself and has just become just this mental funhouse maze. That moment when McNulty and that that reporter are both in the room at the same time. And you realize that McNulty is fabricating, completely out of whole cloth, a serial killer who doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, across the table, the journalist, you now realize, is fabricating calls from the serial killer. Yeah. Each of them unaware that the other is, on some level anyway, unaware the other is lying. It's just, it's so fascinating. It is, whoever came up with that little plot twist, whether it was David Simon or whoever, I mean, deserves an Emmy like today. Yeah.
14: You're speaking of The Wire, though, and another brilliant show, which is transcending itself, did you see how Cedric Daniels turned up on Lost? No. Yeah. Really? <laughs> that actor plays this character named Matthew Abaddon. I think that was it. Um, who is this scary kind of, who the hell is this guy?
6: Sarah, he, he's a uh, really tall, really slender black guy.
14: Yeah, and he shows up and he claims to be a lawyer for. He shows <gasps> up in one of the fast.
7: The one in the, in the institution.
14: Forwards, yeah. And he, he he says that he's the lawyer, a lawyer for uh, Oceanic Airlines.
6: Man, that guy was super crazy. He's great. Yeah, he's on the wire. He's wonderful on the wire.
14: But it turns out. But the thing is, and I learned this as a result of uh, a conversation that took place on the blog. I was blogging the. Um, I've been blogging the, uh, uh, Lost, you know. And, You're not uh, going to
7: spoil anything, are you? You've seen, no, you've this seen is all
14: based ahead. on, Have check it out. So Matthew Abaddon, who is who he introduced himself as this, is a, uh, what, what, what the, the fascinating thing, and this was a reader sent this in, is that he is like so much of that, um, that show, this manifestation of both, Uh, wisdom and destruction in one character, because his name, as this guy, I'll just read what this guy wrote, his name represents both hope and wisdom, Matthew, the apostle, and despair, destruction, Abaddon, the angel of the abyss, the realm of the dead. And that uh, it's also worth noting that Matthew was considered the toll collector of souls. So is Matthew coming to collect the, the oceanic six to punish them for their sins? You know, and so it's like, and also, if you didn't notice this, and I had to go back and replay this before I actually, I, I thought I saw it, but then I went back and replayed it in slow mo. When Matthew, when that character Abaddon leaves, and Hurley freaks out and runs and is yelling, "Get him out of here! Get him out of here!" When the perspective reverses and you see where he was sitting, all you see is the door shutting because he's leaving. And if you look very carefully, he's leaving a trail of black smoke behind him. You're really? You're
6: freaking me out, and I don't even watch the show. Jesus. Dude, you got to watch
14: this. I, I know.
7: You've I... got to. You're so missing out. I It's
6: know, the greatest show I know. ever. I've got to catch up. I've got to I told Sarah I feel like I not like I don't deserve to watch this season because I still have to catch up on season three. So i got to do that. Uh, all right. Well, now that I'm all freaked out, uh, hey, we got to get you into the studio. Yeah. You no, gotta, I'd love to. you got to come back. All right. So, uh, I don't know. As Have your people talk to my people. Sure. All right. Uh, anything quickly, anything coming up this week people need to watch?
14: Lost on Wednesday. Excellent. Um, and uh, what else? I don't know. That's it. They're was not...
7: it on Wednesday? I thought it was on Thursday. Thursday. Okay.
14: God, I'm Mr. Error these days. That's anyway. okay.
6: I know you're busy with the blogging and the so forth and the hey, hey. <laughs> I'd like to leave you with just a... Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, brother. See you later, man. All right, there you go. Peter Carlin, read him in print in the Oregonian Online at OregonLive.com. We come back. Raven Zachary from Ignite Portland and Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You stay there. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. assume they put pig everything in hot dogs they put remnants remnants, remnants leaf,
7: so good
6: leavings i'd like me some pig leaving except in hebrew national hot dogs which are of course the gold Dad, standard I they mean?
8: have to answer to a, a higher uh, authority higher authority tim you want to hear the story about pig brains yes nothing uh, would bring me greater pleasure
7: well tim doesn't have were... to worry about pig brains
6: well that's true or does, does he th- listen and learn Rick, I believe we may be witnessing the initial vector to the zombie apocalypse. Symptoms include fever, malaise, and rapidly progressing weakness, along with difficulty waking, which sounds like the undead to me. Or Sorry, difficulty walking. Twelve cases have been reported so far, coming primarily from a slaughterhouse known as quality pork processing, and is not caused <laughs> by any known germ. The story includes, and let's see, this is from the Washington Post. The story includes these fantastic descriptors. Quote, well, the illness appears to be caused by wait for it. This is the phrase of the day by the way. Right. The illness is caused by inhaling microscopic flecks of pig brain.
7: Wait, so this is the people in the factory that are inhaling the Well, it pig starts brain?
6: at the factory, Sarah, oh, okay. then it moves to the city. One of the steps is that part of, uh, I'm sorry, one of the steps in that part of the operation involves removing the pig's brains with compressed air forced into the skull through the hole where the spinal cord enters. The brains are then packed and sent to markets in China. But, of course, it results in a, quote, aerosolizing of the brain. So it becomes sort of a fine pig brain mist.
8: It's God's revenge for eating his creatures. Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Open the damn door, Mr. Luffey. In court just a few months ago, a lawyer for conservatives said they're trying to serve Sam Lefty with a restraining order prohibiting him from seeing Britney, but he refused to open the door and accept that service.
10: Excellent. Good for him. They also
8: mentioned that he's spoken on the phone with Britney, allegedly in violation of that restraining order. California's first family is divided on the candidate for president and the party they favor tomorrow's California primary. Governor Schwarzenegger, of course, uh, supports Senator John McCain, but First Lady Maria Shriver, a Kennedy at heart. And our chief favors Barack Obama for the Democratic nomination.
6: I thought when you said California's first family, I thought you meant the Reagans. That was going to allow me to make They are of... no
8: longer a family. <laughs>
6: <laughs> They're sort of a Tennessee Williams kind of family. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was going to allow me to make lots of jokes about how Michael Reagan can't
8: swallow. Oh, that was his first family. People always think of the second... He never talks about his first family. Well, never did. Michael Reagan? Or yeah. Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan no. never talked about that
6: first family. Well, Michael Reagan's adopted, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's, he's, uh, he's like half a Reagan. Mm-hmm.
8: All right. Attention smokers, you're going to have a harder time getting a good night's sleep than those who don't puff away on tobacco. Researchers have the science to back up those findings that show those addicted to, uh, addicted to nicotine spend less time in deep sleep than non-smokers. They also say about four times more likely, well, you're going to complain that you're not getting the proper rest or the proper sleep. Scientists point to minor withdrawal symptoms that can occur as the night goes on and disturbs your sleep. And individuals try to stop smoking off and complain of sleep dysfunction. That can be a roadblock to the path of becoming smoke-free. This is published in the journal, Chest. Really? <laughs> Look for it at your neighborhood <laughs> newsstand. <laughs> Pardon me, what, that's like, that's like and one next of
6: those. It's to watch? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Chest um, reminds me. What was that magazine It's up Gent. Oh, yeah. What was Gent? Was Gent, like, a porn magazine, or was it one of those, like... I tr- think that was a porn magazine. Men's True Adventure.
8: They probably don't have those old uh, skin flick magazines around anymore. Man,
6: I was... Oh, boy, can I just tell you what I watched the other day, and then I feel really bad. We'll talk to Raven Zachary, who's been listening to me babble like an idiot for, like, 40 minutes. You know what I watched just a little bit of the other day? Remember, Timmy Ryan brought us that DVD. It was just uh, trailers for old 70s porn films. We played that one that, these girls, these girls are not really swingers. As in not swing. I watched like five uh, porn trailers in a row. Uh, first of all, they were all really long. It's like you, it, I think maybe the age of internet pornography has just uh, it's, it's either raised or lowered the bar. Because really, all the actors look like Tony Orlando. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, uh, let me rub like my Velcro-like body against you. I
7: met him once. He was very handsome. Tony Orlando?
6: Mm-hmm. Did he paw you?
7: You did give me a hug.
6: Really? Was it a lingering sexy hug?
7: It sure was. All right.
6: Anywho, uh, Tim Riley. Yes.
8: You didn't finish your conversation. Nah, it's pointless. Right,
6: yeah, I know. We'll, I was we'll wondering you we were tomorrow. going with the
7: whole porn trailer thing. No, I
6: was just going to say, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Porn trailer. What were you just talking about? Pigs? It doesn't matter. This is God's way of telling me to get to uh, to, get to uh, Zachary Raven. Raven, All right. Zachary. All right. Tim Riley. Greatest news, man, in the history of the world back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour. I thought the would All right. I don't know what the hell I was doing there. All right. Raven Zachary, igniteportland.com. Hello, sir. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Thank you for putting up with my juvenile inanity about pig brains and 70s <laughs> porn films. Um, so this is really cool. Um, uh, Susan Reynolds brought this to my attention. So this is happening tomorrow at the Baghdad Theater, mm-hmm. uh, 6 to 9 p.m., uh, and it's free, right? You actually don't even have to pay for this. Always free. Kind of a first-come, 1st first serve thing. So what is the deal? So I, I said that people got five minutes or 20 slides, but you said it's actually 20 minutes, 20 slides and five minutes. That's right. They get five minutes on the stage.
13: 20 slides, 15 seconds for each slide, automatically rotated. So that once they get up there, the slides just start clicking, and they got to like do their presentation. Once the 20th slide hits, they're off the stage, and the next speaker's
6: up. Now we of course are fans of anything remotely resembling, uh, you know, discussion of David Hasselhoff. Uh, so, but this, is, so this thing about why Germany loves David Hasselhoff is going to be that's on the menu for tomorrow. It is. Um, it's in the second wave of the presentations towards the end of the evening. But I'm also
13: uh, equally piqued by learning why it is that Germany has an obsession with uh, with the Hoff.
6: Well, well, there's that one, and then there's – what was the other one? We were talking about this during the break, one about being an undercover hooker.
13: Yeah, so Jessica Bruder is going to talk about how to be an undercover hooker. She's a uh, a journalist here in town and went through the New York City Police Department's program, Operation Losing Proposition, and, uh, in fact, passed that test and learned how the New York Police Department is training – uh, it's uh, fine staff to be undercover hookers. I was going to ask
6: how you do that, but I guess I have to go back and I
13: have to actually go watch the thing. You're um, going to have to watch it. I, I, too, will need to learn uh, while she's mm-hmm. on stage. So they've done this. So this is like the second year you've done this, right? This is actually the second event. We did the first one in October at Wyden and Kennedy. And uh, we outgrew the space and have moved to the Baghdad now tomorrow night from 6 to 9. The facility will hold uh, around 700 people. And we think we're going to have standing
6: room only. So this is... I mean, Portland is so uh, I think legendary, not just I mean in the filmmaking community, but I think everybody's sort of aware that there's so much art that happens here, and there's so many. Uh, like, I have a friend of mine who had worked in L.A. for a while, kind of a friend of a friend who had moved up here, and he had tried constantly to do film projects, to do art projects in L.A. and he said it was just it was just impossible because everybody was kind of working on their old thing, on their own thing, and if you tried to get them to work with you, they just kind of told you to get bent. But here in Portland, there is such like a collaborative community for doing things like this because every single person you meet or know has something like this that they're working on.
13: This was a really tough one to choose 14 speakers for. We had over 50 people submit ideas, and it was a very difficult time uh, bringing that down to 14, a manageable number in a a two-hour period of time. You're going to see future events will have that collective diversity of topics from geek to culture to arts to to whatever. For instance, uh, it happens to be tomorrow, Super Tuesday, as a lot of you know, and John Purr, who worked on the Gary Hart campaign back in the '80s, is giving a talk on politics as theater. Did he, did he work on the uh, the Hart
6: campaign that was derailed by Donna Rice? No, I think the first one. All right. So he worked. He was there in the calm before the storm. <laughs> yes. Excellent. What is what would you say is the weird? Apart from the David Hasselhoff thing, maybe. What was the what's the weirdest presentation that's going to happen tomorrow?
13: I think we're going to have a whole collection of weird ones. One of them is the history of the stick figure. Excellent. And We're going to have. Uh, you know, how to be an undercover hooker, certainly. The one about uh, David Hasselhoff, uh, uh, politics as, as theater, all over the place. Biodiesel, one of the experts on biodiesel, Brian Jameson here in town, is going to be talking about everything you need to know about biodiesel in five minutes. Maybe I should go because, you know, can I just tell
6: you this, and I know that in Portland you can be run out of town for the same because I don't really know what biodiesel is. I. If you put a gun to my head, I couldn't really tell you. I think it has something to do with, like, my corn cobs, but you know, I'm just sort of bluffing there. I don't really know. Well, some of that's ethanol, but yeah, if you come tomorrow night, you will find out in five minutes what in fact biodiesel is and if... At all, you can take advantage of it. Excellent. So uh, it is Ignite Portland 2. Uh, presenters narrating five-minute slideshows, each pitching an original idea. The Baghdad Theater, which is a great place regardless. Uh, the Baghdad Theater, 6 to 9 p.m. tomorrow. Doors open at 5.15 p.m. Uh, free, but first come, first serve. And that place holds, I don't know, a few hundred people? Yeah, 700. Yeah. 580 sitting and about 200 on the sides. So Excellent. All right. Ignite Portland 2, and the website is Ignite, uh, just like with the, uh, the match, IgnitePortland.com. Thanks. All right, excellent. Raven Zachary from IgnitePortland.com. Thank you, my friend. Uh, take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, we will wrap it up with calls. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. Go nowhere. long, drawn-out, tiresome answers to the South Pole thing. I'm just going to disregard those and think that my answer's right. Because here's the thing. I can rest secure in the knowledge no matter where I go for the rest of my life. No one's ever going to bring it up again. Because it's taken me 35 years for somebody to bring it up to me this time. So. Uh, don't forget, rush tickets all week. Did I give away rush tickets today? No. Oh, God, I suck.
7: Were you we supposed to today?
6: Yeah. Well, I meant to. We got five pair, pair a day. Only in our to... Beat the Box Office contest. Damn it. Why am Maybe I? Because tomorrow a
7: can be special. And you can give away two pairs. Why am I so dumb? I don't know.
6: Anyway, uh, Rush, the amphitheater, Clark County, Richfield, Washington, Sunday, June first, two thousand eight. Uh, don't forget, tickets go on sale Saturday, February 9th, ten a.m. at all Ticketmaster outlets, Ticketmaster.com, or LiveNation.com. Dates and time subject to change without notice. So we got the, uh, five pair of tickets. Now. So we, we, we'll, uh, we'll try to double that up tomorrow. Let's do a couple of uh, calls to round out the program here. we got a World War Z call in just a second. Hi, Jim, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry to, to do this, but I've got to tell you how to go, to, to go west from the South Pole. Okay. You don't do this by cheating, by taking a step north. Okay, if you're at the equator and you walk west, equator. you're going to make a really, really big circle, right? What? Let's say if you're at the equator and you walk directly west, you're going to make a really, really big circle. Yes. If you're at the tip of of South America and you you go west, you're going to make a smaller circle. Yes. If you're one step away from the South Pole, like you were talking about, you're going to make a circle that's about six steps long. But if you're at the the South Pole, what you do is you turn in one place, twirling, twirling, ever twirling, towards the west.
8: (laughs) the gayest thing I've ever heard. Bye. Bye.
7: (laughs) Twirl, Rick, twirl. Was I the he was whole... going to burst into song at the Seriously, end.
6: Seriously, I, yeah, I or felt twirling, like.
7: Twirling, twirling, twirling. i
6: like, it was about to become a dancer in the dark moment or something there. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi.
3: Hi. I just had a World War Z question. Yes,
6: I was uh, listening to the World War Z audiobook again this uh, weekend. What's up?
3: Well, I was reading. Is it the World War Z in oral history of the Zombie War? Yes. Okay, so I'm reading the right book. I just didn't know maybe that was a follow-up book for 4Z.
6: No, there's Max Brooks. He's written two books. One is uh, The Zombie Survival Guide, which is okay, but not really something you can read all the way through in a sitting. It's kind of a sporadic read. Um, oh, and then yeah, there's
4: I, I was going to pick that one up, too, eventually. Yeah,
6: so. World well, the Zombie Survival Guide is good. It's sort of like, you know, you read it when you're in the doctor's office and you got, like, five or six minutes to kill because it's a bunch of different, you know, sections. Um, World War Z, though, is a novel, the oral history of the zombie war, really one of the uh, most groundbreaking, innovative books I've read in the last, you know, few years. Yeah, d- 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 really a wonderful book.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, actually, and I just like how it's done, like, documentary style. It's very cool.
6: Yes. Uh, no, you know, uh, Brad Pitt just optioned that for a film, so it's uh, going to be a motion picture at some point in the future, sir. Oh, that'll be cool. Yes, if they don't screw it up, let's yeah, all cross exactly. our fingers. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. All right, uh, before we do anything oh, else, this oh, Sex Panther oh, Richie, by Odion. Oh. I haven't even gotten to this thing about Sanford and Son. It's quite pungent. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. Hi. Uh, oh, Richie. What are these people on hold for? Uh one was for gosh, ADD.
12: I, I typed it up there. If you
6: had to guess. No, uh-huh. no, it's not labeled at all.
3: I typed it up there. Uh-huh.
6: Do you remember? Oh, so here's the no. thing about the rush tickets. I'm a terrible person and we're going you'll have to remind me to double up tomorrow though. Oh, one of them was for rush. But does he know what which one do you suppose? The last one, number 4, right here. Well, uh-huh. let's not let's not talk to him.
3: Hey, am I the seventh caller?
6: No. Well, Great. maybe it wouldn't get you anything. Yes?
3: Oh, man. The Rush tickets, right?
6: What about them, sir? On? I thought you said line four was about Rush. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is line
3: three. Hey, that's not fair. I'm the seventh caller. I heard we said something about Rush. He probably just went in and did yeah. it. Yeah. Did you just hear me say
6: Rush and then pick up the phone and randomly start dialing? Yeah.
3: <laughs> My favorite station, KCMD, 970 AM in Portland.
6: All right. Well, I give you points for Spunk, sir.
3: Thank you, Rick. <laughs>
6: All right, you should hang up now.
12: Okay,
3: bye.
6: Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello, this is what I get for being such a bad contester. I really, really, really meant to give him away, and then we got distracted by my poor dental hygiene. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson I Show.
3: I don't want point. any points for spunk.
6: What?
4: <laughs> I said I don't want any points for spunk.
6: Okay. What do you want?
4: Um, Nothing.
6: Really, honestly, there was a reason you picked up the phone and called. Apparently not. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Why
7: are you going to? This is not going. Oh, am
3: I going to do... be the last call of the day
0: again? Please say no.
6: I don't know, sir. How long do we have till the end of the show, Sarah?
7: Uh, about 30
4: seconds.
6: It depends. If someone calls right now, you will not be the uh, the last call of the day. You'll be beaten at that, sir.
10: Woo The penultimate. That's my big littered word for the day. Just wanted to mention that when Richie's tired, he sounds a lot like Bender from Futurama.
6: Really? Is that true? I hadn't really thought uh-huh. about that. You know who does a really stunningly good Richie is Timmy Ryan. Timmy, yeah. Timmy does a really good impression exactly of Richie. Like it's him. it's almost, it is uncanny. It really is.
10: I've heard it. I won't tell you the circumstances under which,
3: but it's spot on, yes.
6: Was Richie rubbing you with soft Turkish towels?
0: Damn it, Richie, you weren't supposed to tell.
6: All right, and we're done. Thank you. Bye now. Last call of the day. Hey, why
7: here. did you keep going? That was just going so poorly. (laughs) With every single person you picked up.
6: Every call more uninteresting than the one that preceded it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, I, I have to remember to do these rush tickets tomorrow. I'm such a terrible person. I really am the worst host ever. All right. Uh, we want to thank uh, Raven Zachary. We want to thank uh, Cena Radio correspondent Bob Costantini and Steve Kastenbaum and Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X-Dillon for AM970. South State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley in the phones. Richie Bristol, Susan Reynolds, and Bridget upstairs. Uh, keep us buttoned up. Diggs in is the gatekeeper. And, of course, uh, like us next on the Mic at 7. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. I regret nothing. Bye.
11: Surpass their own